<laughs> and I don't know. I don't know why you're laughing because I I might not actually be wearing any pants for all you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay that's okay as long as the camera stays at that angle well we'll be okay well don't tempt me uh don't move uh, we're still on, don't we're still stand on up. skype we're still on skype boys and girls and uh and because uh, uh, you know lockdown pandemic because we're still um, in lockdown but we're also in the middle of like the hottest week on record since the last hottest week on record so yeah. uh i'm sweltering i am i feel awful i'm, I'm constantly so warm, warm. I'm barely sleeping, and the room I record in is a south-facing room. So when the sun's at its highest, this room is an oven. Uh, so I always have a constant airflow going through it. But that being said, I woke up this morning, and I thought to myself, I'm just, I'm just going to wear some shorts for this recording. I'm just going to put some shorts on. Just shorts. Which, which brought about the best reaction in the world as soon as the camera turned on. <laughs> Matt just gave this look and said, like, oh, is that how it is? Is that how it is? <laughs> oh, is that the type of content we're making now? Put your top it's on. For your, it's for your eyes only, baby. <laughs> oh, this is for the OnlyFans, is it? Um, yeah, the big OnlyFans. You, you get to enjoy my pale chest that every time I scratch it, it turns into a freaking canvas for red paint. Enjoy! Ah, yes. It's weird, yes. isn't it? It's the sensitive skin. Um, I have I have like permanently slightly tanned arms, and then my torso is as pale as a ghost, as a big dirty ghost. A ghost. Um, a ghost. Speaking of a ghost, uh, that's probably how our listeners are feeling. A gog, a ghost. Uh, um, well, we got <laughs> welcome. <laughs> we got a ghostly email of mysterious providence. Did we? And it says, and it says this. It says, Chris, Matt. Do you want to come with me? Because if you do, I should warn you. You're going to see all sorts of things. Ghosts from the past. Aliens from the future. The day the Earth died in a ball of flame. It won't be quiet. It won't be safe. And it won't be calm. But I'll tell you what it will be. 12 brand new audio dramas from Big Finish Productions starring Christopher Eccleston as the Doctor. <laughs> Moisturize me. I need moisturising. Um, uh, I need unmoisturising. I need drying. Um, who were that? Who were that from? That was from Bowtie Animation. Uh, hi, Bowtie Animation. Uh, there's a plagiarism in that email. Uh, I can't remember everyone's <laughs> name, so you need to sign your emails with the names you want to be referred to. But that's. I'm sure that's Harry, right? Bowtie I Animation. I don't. I can't remember. I can't keep him straight. Let's call him. The, the message Kaharia considering people, uh, yeah because people email people, with names and then people don't email with names and then people <laughs> are on Twitch with different names and I get confused I need to start a spreadsheet <laughs> oh don't I've for, for like subscriptions on Twitch and, 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 and the like I, I have started keeping a notepad at my desk That's specifically it, it's, it's hundreds of pages long and I'm only using about seven of the pages total but it's 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 got to the point where every time someone subs or, or like on a Discord, like I see a name's changed, I'm like, right, hang on, get it down, just make mm. a note of it. Back <laughs> up it goes. Because it's the only way to keep track. Um, uh, people are obviously going to want us to talk about this this Chris Eccleston announcement, so uh, let's let's roll on. Welcome, everybody, to the Big Damn Cast. Uh, my name is Christopher Steak and Chips Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> 
My name is Matthew Fantastic Watson. You bally well are. This is the Big Dumb Cast Pop Culture <clears throat> Podcast Nerdy News Geeky Gossip or whatever it is the hell we feel like talking about because nothing's happening in the world right nothing's now. Nothing's happening. Um, except for the announcement of Christopher Eccleston returning to the role of the Ninth Doctor. He trended on Twitter all day long in the UK and in, in the US. Um, Big Finish finally did it. They finally yeah, got him. The outpouring of love for this Doctor um, is 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 wonderful to witness because obviously he was the Doctor before the social media age really existed. So it's it's amazing to you know to see the world openly celebrating my Doctor. They mm. bloody love him to pieces, mm. and and I hope he he's very he's very non. Um, non-current eventy in terms of his instagram posts he'll comment to he'll reply to comments occasionally but he didn't post anything about it he posted other stuff um but i hope that he is seeing the outpouring of love and, and adoration for the role apparently it was a convention he was at i think it was Tar- uh, chicago tardis or gallifrey one in february yeah um was the one that made him go like oh sod it go on like i want to play him again let's do it go on then um, because of the panels and, and his birthday was on the last day of it and they got everybody back in the main hall and everyone sang happy birthday at him and stuff and he obviously could feel like, oh shit, people like like what I do and liked it enough that that now overshadows the grievances I have with that time working yeah, yeah. on it and, and the problems. Sod it. I want to go on. I'll return to the role. Let, let's do these. Probably also um, the fact that uh, he's stuck at home and he has kids, so recording remotely a bunch of box sets is not a bad idea. Not a bad idea they're at probably, all. They're probably paying him. I would. I. I don't know. Like d- disclaimer. I have a friend who works at Big Finish. I don't know this. I mean, it I doesn't stop. Wager... It doesn't stop us giving him shit. So. Oh yeah, no, no, exactly. There you go. <laughs> There's no conflict like, of interest. I, there. I, I would wager that. He's probably the highest paid actor they'll ever have had doing the sets. And it'll probably be a one-time contract for the four box sets. What, higher paid than Eric Roberts? Eric Roberts probably would have been... I'm not even joking. Eric Roberts is probably the highest paid. And then Eccleston, like, like rocks up. <laughs> um, we'll get to Eric Roberts. Uh, we'll get to him and how much I miss. I missed him in this week's task. Oh, God. Um, okay. God, it could have done with him. Um, and his, his weird sort of subtle campness. But... Um, yeah, also, you know, like, it's... Uh, yay! I, I'm happy, I'm I'm delighted to see the love for him, and I hope he has a whale of a time making him. Yeah. I that's pretty much all it. I have to say that, about it. Yeah, That's all I have to say about that, Gromit. Um, yeah. Not the only... I don't know what that voice was. <gasps> it wasn't Wallace. It was, it was, Nick, it was Nick, Nicholas Briggs' impression of Chris Rackleson. <laughs> Nicholas from, from the earlier Briggs. from the earlier episodes, it was just Nick Briggs. It was lovely Nick Briggs. Hello, Gromit. Um, <laughs> um, so hey, slightly... hey, guys got away with words. He nabbed Eccleston. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> got him. Got him. And if in you'd the... like, got him in the Briggs. And if you'd like, uh, if if you'd like two northern people to play two northern people, then uh, we know two northern people. Uh, a northern uh, person for my film. The northern the person. The northern person. Um, the northerner. Uh, that, that's a recurring stolen bit, which uh, I wonder if any of our listeners have ever understood. Uh, a <laughs> it fat shows man. up rarely, but it makes me happy. For my movie, The Fat Man. Fat Man. 
Oh, we've killed him. We've killed Pan him already. Me. It's happened. Ay, 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 ay. Um, so, <laughs> here's, the thing. here's the thing. Some other news happened this week, which is not so jolly. Yeah, pretty shit, really. Um, um, DC just got fucking slashed. The AT&T, yeah. the, the parent company who own Warner Brothers and, and uh, by extension, uh, DC, they just made a bunch of cuts and wiped out entire departments over at DC overnight. That's yeah. horrifying. Yeah, we don't know exactly the reason overall as yet. Some believe it may have to do with losses incurred through the economy over the last six, seven months. So they've had to preemptively cut some costs here and there to I mean, keep things afloat. Uh, yeah. But also, Time Warner, AT&T, I'm sure they're not hurting for cash. Let's you be never honest. know with the companies like these because so much of it is... They always like, play it so close to the pale chest. Yeah, they get so... They're so big. But how much of that bigness bigness that's not a word uh so much of that how size, much of the embiggening yeah how much of that size is like mired in loss like how much of their acquisitions mm. has saddled them with acquiring yeah. loss because that's what happened with things like with places like toys r us they were bought used to offset someone else's debt and then just left to die so you don't you're never really sure what's going on with what and also warner brothers yeah. won't have had any really big cinema releases this year since february so no, they're kind but then of again, that way. They, they also have HBO Max, which, uh, you know, host, hostage audience living in and at home, like them spending the money on <clears throat> a new streaming service. Uh, oh, yeah, another new there was streaming al- service, there was, just what we need. Yeah, well, there was already signs that DC was likely one of the places that was going to be cut with. I mean, for example, like signs as early as a year and a half ago, Swamp Thing, during its production, the DC Universe exclusive show, um, during production of Series 1, they are told, oh yeah, you're not getting a Series 2 because we can't afford to house everything and we need to make some cuts already. Then so, why did oh. you make it in the first place? Well, exactly. I, I, it sounds very much like a one person pulls the trigger and it, it happens and then another person picks up the gun and pulls the trigger for a different reason later and you're like, oh, okay. I've seen that plenty of times where like people in charge in, in, in uh, I don't know, like let's say uh, some form of corporation that broadcasts yeah. might be based in a specific territory. I don't know. Um, a new person will take charge of a department or or, or a channel or, or commissions. And because they didn't commission or, or have an involvement with the thing that's doing well, they just don't re, re um, uh, uh, don't re, oh, brains melting. Recommission. Recommission it. Yeah, they don't or recommission just, it. They not just even go. don't recommission it. Just don't. Just straight up axe it. Be like I'm yeah. making or thro- sweeping or changes. Le- or, th- or throw less budget at it. Yeah, like, I've seen that happen as yeah. well. They just go and give it half the budget. And you're like, why? So uh, there's no. It's it's playground law. Like there's no spoken solid reason as to why. It's just oh, it's because they weren't involved, so they're not asked as much. Yeah, I don't and, like this and thing. That, Dapping with Swamp Thing, like, you know, one person says, we'll make this, it'll be incredible. And then someone else later says, but it's going to cost a lot to keep the sets to one side for a year between production. Uh, yeah, let's cut it. Um, Titans and Doom Patrol already negotiating homes elsewhere is what's yep. the, 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 what the whispers are, but they've definitely been broadcast elsewhere so far already. Yep. Uh, Harley Quinn Series 3 <clears throat> moving to HBO Max from the DC Universe app. Yep. 
Stargirls got its uh, CW broadcast dates, so it's like, well, it's just going to move to the CW then, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so there was already signs with, with regards to the DC Universe uh, app um, closing down that DC was one of the places that uh, Time Warner or AT&T would just be like, yeah, they just make the cuts there. From what we know, uh, DC Collectibles, which is their merchandise, when their in-house merchandise wing and department, they work with freelancers to create the products and factories, obviously, to create and ship them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, any DC figures that are currently in, on the market from the last few years that aren't by McFarlane Toys yeah. um, <clears throat> are made by DC. And that's all coming to an end, net, like effective immediately. So whatever products are currently being made, will finish being made and shipped and the profits will be made for DC, but and that's it from now on. So anybody who's collecting the icons wave or the you know, like like uh any of the tie in stuff to do with like the games or whatever, uh yep. It's bye. ending. That's done. That's ending. Um means there's probably gonna be a stunt to some of the deals with Lego, uh for the, the like animated releases that they do, because they do tie in merch yeah. for those, like for the special releases. Uh, so basically, bad time for collectors, but uh, that's a first world complaint. It's worse for the people who work there yeah. or collaborated with them. And also within the comics, a boatload of editors have been let go. The, yep. the complete list as of this record hasn't been announced, but like names are out there. And people have alluded to the fact that I can't talk about it yet, but yeah, I'm going to be very available from like next week. And this is so, not... Holy shit. This is not that long after Dan DeVio was ousted. Yeah. Uh, that was what, so it makes like, you wonder. It makes you wonder if if he was, he was a he was a, a a linchpin that was keeping certain wolves from the door, possibly. And now that he's gone, they've moved in. Because uh, even Jim Lee, you know, public co-publisher of DC Comics, like the mighty, wonderful, um, you know, gorgeous Jim Lee with his, his dreams and his X Men number one, um, <laughs> he uh, he's been. They've not announced it yet, but they've said that he'll no longer be publisher, but he'll still be performing in the same role in the company. So what that probably means is whoever's in charge of stuff has gone, right, well, you can continue to run the comics. Yeah. Because it, it would it would be insane to just drop you now, all of a sudden. Like, we need you. You're the captain of the ship. But we can't call you publisher. Oh, that also means we have to pay you less because yeah. we're not public. Like, it looks like that's where it's going. And it's it's... It's interesting. Like, I hope everyone's all right. I hope everyone lands on their feet. But it's it's just... And it makes you wonder how many books are about to disappear. At least temporarily. Yeah. Get I, mean, I mean, both of the big two have been, have been hemorrhaging books. Even after the mm. massive hiatus they both took um, early on in the pandemic. Now that they're back to regular uh, production schedules, they're still cutting stuff left, right and centre. So it's it's not good for a... For anyone, really. <sighs> Pardon me. But especially so for, for DC having taken a hit like this, it's just, that's a lot mm. of people out of work all of a sudden. And now is not the time to be putting people out of work. But I think we're going to see more and more of it across more and more industries. Um, the UK is now officially in its worst recession since records began. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, yeah. So I think worldwide we're going to be seeing some serious, <laughs> serious hits. Um, so yeah, it sucks. It sucks. Um, but do you know what else sucks? Emails. <laughs> the main topic of this week's episode. But 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 
Last week, as part of our little mental reassessment of yeah. Christopher Nolan, Christopher, if you if you if you've got time to sit, you've got time to work, Nolan. Ugh. Um, uh, we we reexamined Batman Begins in the Dark Knight through the prism of not having seen them for a few years to the prison of, of a decade at least since release yeah. well, 12 and also, years for that night uh yeah oh god yeah and uh, 15 for batman begins holy shit jesus um but also uh because all the stories we've recently covered about his behaviors on set how weirdly petty he's been in, in relation to the release of his upcoming movie tenet which let's face it no one knows fucking anything about it but warner brothers and Chris Nolan in particular, swear it's the greatest thing you're ever going to see in the history of ever, Your Honour, so shut up and get excited, you small, pathetic ants. We will release it in the middle of a pandemic! Um, uh, so like, so desperate are they that they've gone, we're going to put it in European screens and European IMAX screens because we need to make some profit right now, and Nolan seems to be less that, more, no, it needs to be seen on a big screen, I want people to see it now! Like, his fetish is clearly, watch this thing I made in a room, exhibitionism, watch it now! It's how his downstairs Um, swells. Yeah, oh, how his, how his, uh, (laughs) husband's bulge and gorges. Husband's Um, bulge. Whereas, uh, whereas, uh, obviously America aren't gonna get it, and that's already kicked off a big fuss with massive film fans or fans of his work because they're like, great, so what, do we have to avoid the internet for an indeterminate amount of time because there'll clearly be spoilers circulating? Like, this is nuts. And it's it, it's Warner Brothers' big summer temple release, but they're relying solely off of Nolan to sell it. Yeah. And, and obviously the cast. Like, no, he always brings an interesting cast into his thing. Yeah. But it's like, it's like there's no real selling point for this movie aside from names. So... His sort of insistence that we must see it, despite there being a fucking worldwide pandemic, has really made us sort of reassess Christopher yeah, Nolan as an author. We can go to the pub now, <coughs> so it's over. We can we can go we, to the cinema now, so can it's we watch over. Tenet at the pub. We can watch Tenet at the pub. Actually, we've got a couple of emails about um, about cinema visits in the age of COVID. Uh, so bring we'll, them on, we'll, we'll, we'll talk and also about some. That a little uh, bit. Some lovely emails uh, in regards to last week's episode about uh, Batman Begins. Some Batman adjacent emails. Um, and the dork dorknit. The dorknit. The dorknit. Just, just ruzzers. For those for those who missed part one, they're like, whereabouts? Where where do you sort of stand in terms of how you feel about those films? Um, like, as a, a, a pull quote. Give us. Give me your best Paul Ross. Batman Begins is. <laughs> Fine. That was a ba- that was a Batman adjacent joke if there ever was one. <laughs> oh god. Uh Batman Begins is fine if a little uh morally grey. Like the way it yeah. treats the way it treats people who commit crimes is questionable in this more complex age that we live in. Yeah. Uh, or at least it's more the, openly complex age. Well, especially because the, the film tries to be grounded and, and have a sense of realism, and yet they still have the goodies, baddies, cops and robbers mentality. It's like <laughs> you have to you have to pick one and make yeah. that the whole you have to cocoon the film in one of those ideologies yeah, for the presentation's sake. Um, you either have goodies v baddies or you have 
the real world is more complicated than that and we're going to try and show every side of the story you have to pick one and it tries to have both well they try and they try and double down on that um in down night rises which we'll get to later no they sort of try and have more of their cake and eat more of it so we'll get to that later i think batman begins that that rich rich cake but it's a mm, rich mm, cake. But it's a solid action movie with some fun performances yeah. and, and a good cast. The Dark Knight is uh, very, very good. Built around uh, Heath Ledger's astonishing central performance, um, but it is a little bit too long. That's my only criticism of it, really. Uh, I, I, I still, I still don't meet you on that one in terms of the length. But I think that's only been reinforced. Because of rewatching Rises a couple days ago for this, which so, which is oh Christ. yeah, but again we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I I'm, I'm kind of similar overall though. Like uh, Batman Begins, I think is a really cool uh, character piece that was um, that was that was redone uh, and outshone by Iron Man three years later, yeah. where Iron Man's like, we're going to be a character piece. <clears throat> we're going to let our actors dictate it quite literally in terms of some of the scenes because they improved on that one um but also we're going to very happily lean into the comic bookiness of it a bit yeah. more Batman begins... like we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna start from the ground in iron man they're like we're gonna start from the ground up the bare bones of the concept and we're gonna tease the slightly more comic booky nature yeah because we can then build upon that as the franchise goes on uh whereas batman begins is like start from the bare bones basics great approach the world needed that in terms of its perception of batman in in the the popular culture at that yeah, point yeah obviously obviously prior to that batman and robin was the last big batman thing that had come out so that makes sense um but then some actors think they're in a comic book movie yeah some tropes play it like it's a cheesy comic book movie the one-liners in batman begins are dreadful um and then uh by the end of the movie just like i huh I mean, I had fun. It's it's but, it's a character. Huh. <laughs> it's a character piece with a surprising lack of character. It's a solid British rating out of five. It's a solid three star movie. Yeah, it's just yeah. yeah. I had a good time, and it was it was better than average. And I'd I'd check it out again. I'd watch it again at some point. Sure. Dark Knight uh, has always been since I saw it one of my favorite movies. Looking at it through a more analytical prism, I think it still is. But I'm well aware of its shortcomings now. Like I know pretty solidly what is what does not work about yeah. the dark. I mean, night. shortcomings is a pretty I, I, ironic <clears throat> way to describe a movie that's that's a good half hour too long. <laughs> uh, Again, it flow it flows for me, but I think I think um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I think that's just because um, like it 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 feels. And I don't mean this in terms of like just translated as it feels kind of like a video game. It feels more sequential. It's like this sequence, this sequence, this sequence, yeah, this sequence, yeah. this sequence, this sequence, this sequence. Um, so I, I don't know. I kind of enjoy that flow. But again, that's, that's just that's just personally. It's well, not, I, you know, it's, it's it's the the Nolan thing of structure. Like everything yeah. comes second to structure, including <clears> pacing, <throat> which I think is the only real thing that's lacking from Dark Knight. Is sometimes the pacing's a little bit. Oh, ooh, oh yeah. Ooh. Um, but I think that was that was the first film of his where he starts to <clears throat> change his narrative preferences as well. 
And maybe that's why it felt fresh. Because, like, you know, Memento is obviously about restructuring time in the narrative to to tell a story yeah. out of order. I mean, that's the whole premise of the movie. Uh, Batman Begins, the, we said last week, the first hour is three separate timelines told yeah. out of order. Yeah. Um, and uh, Prestige takes advantage of different timelines and going backwards and forwards in the story to tell things out of order. Like, he... That's clearly something he liked to do. He's like, oh, so we'll keep everyone on their toes because they'll have to really pay attention because we'll go here and they'll go back here and we'll go here and they'll have to see how that informs this moment and this, that and the other. Whereas um, Dark Knight's the first film where that isn't a thing. Yeah, it's more of a straight all. shot. Yeah, yeah. The only, the only time travel in that movie is Harvey Dent somehow getting out of that freaking car before it flips. Um, I don't think he, do- he doesn't get out of it before it flips. He puts his seat Then how on. is he alive? Because how is he alive? Seatbelts save lives, Christopher. When your car flips four times at a practical stunt on a bridge. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just I saying. I don't care how tight your seatbelt is. Like he would not he would not then rock up to kidnap Gordon's family without a neck brace on. <laughs> or at least every few seconds of that scene going, ah it's about what's fair oh ah shit. Ah ah give me a second. Oh, I can't even rub it. Ah, oh, it's sticky. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh, that's all, the Dark Knight Rises I want to see. It's all gooey. Um, but yeah, so we we talked about those movies. We're going to talk about Rises. But first, your Batman yeah. adjacent thoughts, you dirty little piggies. This one's not uh, directly Dark Knight <laughs> trilogy uh, referencing, but it is Batman adjacent. Oh, I'll I'll take that. He's I'll a, take that. I was going to cast them aside into the flame. This one comes in from our second favourite stream-watching, Wookie Chewy, um, <laughs> who says, Good day, Messrs. Watson and not Watson. On this occasion of my contacting yourselves with the bat theme, please just talk <laughs> about the honorary super-dupo sumo with his amazing butt Nightwing. Perhaps some butt combo move jokes. I don't know. Just give the guy some love because DC does him dirty a lot and he's probably my favourite DC character. And sticking with the previous theme of Matt Berry's voice, who would you fan cast him as in a Batman film or animated property? Ooh. I have a good idea for that one. Um, right, so our love of... <laughs> Shit in hell, I just nudged a glass of water and it nearly spilled everywhere. For those who are listening to this, much luck are you today, Cocker? For, for those who are listening to this, a moment ago, Matt had to work his technical wizardry to like knock out a, a cock up in the the connection, uh, and it's almost like my my body's going no 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 no. You need conflict today. I've just nudged water. Conflict. It's, it's not gone anywhere essential, thank Christ. But uh, it's literally the last thing we need. The last thing we need right now is conflict. Oh, good lord! Right, that makes some sense. There we are. So, uh, okay. Nightwing, love. Um, God, I would, done? I would drop a glass of water on Nightwing. Um, and he's amazing, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I don't have that much love for Nightwing. Not because I don't like Nightwing, just because I've not particularly read that much that makes me go oh remember that awesome nightwing bit no let's be honest you just thought he was a poser because he dropped the mullet after the animated series (laughs) well but it's (laughs) dear me but i think that's more emblematic of the fact that pardon me that dc have done him dirty especially in recent years Mm. oh Um, killing him off like at least twice yeah the whole grayson thing yeah, the Grayson agent of of Shade or whatever. Or one second, I'm just going to chastise my cat. <laughs> oh, there we go. That was. I'm not going to lie. That was erotically charged. He's pulling up carpet. 
<laughs> Again, that sentence was erotically charged. <sighs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I know he's got a. I know he's got an amazing butt. So well, he, that's kind of. That's all. That's all I have to say about he, uh, Nightwing. He's the best. Nightwing he's the best gluteus gentleman in all of comic books. Like that's that's he's, been acknowledged. He's one of the few. He's the best Robin. He's what? Well, that's true. Um, he's one of the few male heroes that comic books quite openly goes like, "Yes, yeah, sod it. Let's let's make him a bit eye candy. Let's make him a bit of eye candy on the comic book covers. Let's go for it. Let's do this. Oh boy, do they? Um, and you know, good on him. And and he obviously like Dick is a very confident dude who's very confident in his sexuality and his sex appeal as well. So it's like you know, fair enough. I feel like the character would not mind having his glutes shown off on the cover. So no, no, good on you, lad. You beautiful boy. So I'm. I'm Nightwing positive. Yeah. But I don't have a lot of Nightwing experience. Well. Um, so. Uh, just, uh, um, just someone get, I mean, it might be a bit tougher at the moment, but just like get a writer to dedicated writing team to work on a run of his series. Give them like a minimum of two years to go at it. Uh, like guarantee of, you know, what would it be? 26 issues. Give them a guaranteed 26 issues. And be like, right, what's your pitch? What's your story? Where are you going? What are your arcs? Who are your new villains? Who are your old villains? Great, yeah. go for it. Because, you know, he's 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 bat boy, he's bat boy number one. Like, give bat the dude boy. a chance, you know? Bad girls had such successful runs as well. Like, she's had such like really successful comic books, great reinterpretations, like money put behind the character, but it seems like that might now be a reflection of the fact they were planning a movie. So, you know, yeah. like give some love to nightwing as well like i mean he's in titans right i think so is he nightwing now or oh, is he still robin i don't know they inevitably always like make him nightwing in some way even the teen titans cartoon like you met like a slightly alternate future version of the team from a timeline where things have gone to shit and the version of dick from that timeline was nightwing so even teen titans were like we've got to fit nightwing in it somewhere even even Teen Titans Go has done Nightwing. Have they? Jesus, well, there you go. Yeah, there's been a couple of, th- of times where they've gone into the future. Oh, well, there you go. And he's been and he's been Nightwing. Um, Who would be is that? Is, I don't know. It could be still him. Could be alternate him. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's in any not, continuity. I can't remember if if um, if Teen Titans Go Robin is Dick or Tim. Oh, he's Dick. He's Dick. Oh, okay, because it's the same. It's the same characters from. Um, from the original Teen Titans animated series. Uh, okay. Just, just chibied. Um, and the original Teen Titans, presumably. Yeah. Uh, uh, <clears throat> which is why we have Cyborg, the yeah. dullest character. E- uh, except in Teen Titans, where he's the okay, best character. Okay, okay, okay. Booyah. Okay. He's um, getting a McFarlane Toys Ray- release. <laughs> I will admit, one thing I I am curious to see in the in the forthcoming Schneider cut is... Um, <laughs> Is more more Ray Fisher doing hopefully doing interesting things with Cyborg? Yeah, um, G- getting given more material to work with. Who would we thank as Matt Berry as in in a Batman movie? I already freaking know. Maxi Zeus. <gasps> okay, no, your choice is better. <laughs> That's a me- oh. For those who don't know, Maxi Zeus is sometimes a gangster, sometimes just a crazy serial killer. Kind of like shows up and you're like, oh shit, what's he done? Oh god, he's got hostages. Jesus, what's happening? Um, who thinks he is, or sometimes based on who's writing it, is channeling like Zeus and the Greek yeah. gods. 
Um, sometimes he's successful and owns a club and like has women dangling off of his arms at all times. Sometimes he's just running around in a toga screaming at people. Everyone's like, oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Um, in the Harley Quinn cartoon, he's a creepy uh, pickup artist style. Pyramid scheme uh, for villains. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Um, <laughs> that was a really good choice. Because like, yeah, he's he's self-made. He like does his own marketing. That's why the whole place is like a, a Grecian palace. Like, it's all part and he, of his and look. He, he has a creepy dick also. Yes, um, he does have a creepy dick. <laughs> um, so I think Matt Berry would be perfect. <laughs> he would. You know what, he... Oh, fuck. Jokes aside, he would be perfect for Maxi Zeus. That would be great. Because you could go for any interpretation and he would make it work. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think we let's be honest, if he did it, he'd go for a Matt Berry interpretation of Maxi Zeus. Um, it'd be Jackie Daytona all over again. It'd be Jackie Daytona. <laughs> 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 the name's Maxi Zeus, Olympian bartender. Um... <laughs> I was, I was, oh no, that's perfect. I don't, even, I was, I was going to say, no, I was going to say Professor Pig. Ooh, Cause I think, that's also I, th- quite I think he'd sort of walk that fine line of the, the circus of strange, like first time we see him warped ringmaster kind of character and yeah. the twisted nut job who shows up the second time he, he shows up in Grant Morrison's run where he's like, He's, he's that's when he's in like the apron and is doing surgery and stuff like yeah i think he, he could hit that balance quite well plus his online handle is porksmith so <laughs> he is the porksmith destroy um, him so daddy can rebuild him <laughs> this one comes in uh from the other end of the world what this is from our this is from our single Australian listener Jack, um, and this is about his COVID safe Dark Knight trilogy marathon. Okay, COVID safe Dark says, Knight trilogy marathon. <clears throat> and Jack says, "Good day, big damn boys." Jack here. I recently marathoned the Dark Knight trilogy in the cinema, and I thought it was a nice coincidence that the podcast topic was about these movies. It was my first time seeing Batman Begins. Roughly six other people besides my friend and I were in the cinema. I enjoyed Begins, although I think it might be the weakest link. There were at least 14 others in the cinema for The Dark Knight. I had seen The Dark Knight before, and it was awesome to experience it on the big screen. Deserves all the praise it gets, even if I am a little sick of hearing how good it is all the time. For my first time seeing The Dark Knight Rises, there were exactly zero people in the cinema. We had the whole screening to ourselves. I actually quite liked this one, and I don't see why so many hate it. My main criticism is about nothing really developed thematically. The Dark Knight establishes at the end that the noble lie about Harvey Dent must be upheld, and by the end of Rises, Batman fakes his death and another noble lie, saying Batman sacrificed himself, is established and is kept secret for the greater good. Christ, I didn't even realise that parallel. I didn't even notice that. It's the exact same ending. After two hours and 44 minutes, the film thematically tells us exactly what we already learned from The Dark Knight. (laughs) I also couldn't hear a word Bane was saying, but otherwise it was a sort of satisfying finish of the trilogy that happened on such an epic scale. I look forward to hearing your opinions and criticisms on it. Anyway, stay strong and emotionally positive during these harrowing times, and thanks for the juicy lockdown content. P.S. Don't worry, my state in Australia hasn't had a new case in months. The state borders are closed and necessary precautions are still taking place in public spaces like the cinema. If you're listening to this in the UK, 
don't go out to places like the cinema, you silly sausage. <laughs> Thank you. That is a genuinely solid disclaimer. Which leads us neatly into um, our next email from Ethan from Dorset, which oh. is not Batman related, but it is cinema related. What? And Ethan says, <laughs> Ethan says, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> is, Ethan a, is Ethan a 1960s Bobby on the beat? Apparently so. Um, I emailed in a few years ago <laughs> about random shit, asking for your thoughts on random shit. And I've been but lost in the Phantom I... <laughs> Zone ever since. <laughs> but this time I actually have something interesting. <gasps> what? I'm currently listening to every episode from the start as I'm a madman and currently only in episode 28 but working my way through yes you are a madman you're insane but we loves you for it are you um, are you the reason for the huge streaming spike we got this week is it you yeah, have you Ethan. listened to, to 500 he's, plus in a day he's going through <laughs> um I'm I'm 16 and from the UK where I brought a ticket to see Unhinged on the 5th of August, the day I'm writing this. Ah, yes, the Russell Crowe, I dare you run into my truck movie. Well, I arrived and sit down as normal. The film starts. Russell Crowe is a bit fat and unhinged. Ah, that's why it's called that. (laughs) And then 15 minutes in, the picture cuts out with the sound still going. I'm missing the most important part of the film, a man says a few rows back while going to get help. We then get told the projector is broke and we'll get refunds if we phone the customer helpline and they give us two free tickets to whatever film we want. I get home, phone customer services. They then tell me that the cinema have not notified them that there was a fault and then they hung up on me. That's as far as the story goes so far. I want my goddamn money back cinema. Anyway, thanks for the good content. I'll hear this in like 200 episodes or so when I reach it, so I'll be surprised. Hello, surprise me in the future. You're a dickhead. (laughs) Terra, Ethan from Dorset. Ethan, thank so you very much. Um, that's the exact opposite of a um, successful cinema visit in the age of COVID. So that's that's happening, apparently. Oh, my God. Um, <clears throat> we haven't been informed. I will, say, I will say this about cinemas uh, in the UK. Uh, I emailed, I, I got in touch with uh, Odeon to cancel my Limitless subscription because you have to go through some fucking hoops and that, to get And I still there. have to give a month's notice as well. So no matter yeah, what, you always pay at least notice. one more. Yeah. So after after a couple of days, I get an email being like, "Hi, can I ask why you're thinking of cancelling?" I'm like, "Crack my knuckles, get to the keyboard." Well, <laughs> um, a patient was like, "Well, you're constantly understaffed, increasingly so every time I go there. So everywhere looks like shit, and you can't maintain your facilities properly. And two, Combined with that and the general stupidity of the general public, there's no way I have faith in you to make cinemas safe during the middle of a pandemic. And I won't be going to you or any other kind of cinema until the new year, at least. So I ain't paying you. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I was like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not opening any further discussion. I just want you to cancel my subscription. Just like, cough off like jog so, on i love you ba- i love you basically said like look employ more people give them more shit to work with don't be dicks about that aside from that ain't yeah. your fault i just don't want to die see you later yeah, give me my money back because that's the thing you're like, not you're not asking for like a refund of this month and like march no, or anything just you just like i just don't want to pay anymore yeah 
I know yeah. they froze payments when the cinemas were closed, but now they're open again. I'm not going to start paying for something I'm not going to use because I'm not going to go to an Odeon because, again, because I don't trust the general public to follow guidelines because mm. they can't. They've demonstrably proven that they can't. Yeah. There was another news article from Sky Today where they sent a bunch of undercover reporters to different pubs in Greater Manchester mm. where we're now in lockdown again, but the pubs are still open. Of course. And nine out of ten... <laughs> Nine out of ten pubs aren't following guidelines properly. Oh, for Christ! Um, so <sighs> that's why we're that's why we're back in lockdown. Um, oh my God! Just I've got friends. I've got friends who are going to pubs, and I'm like, "What are you doing? Mm. What are you doing?" Um, it's mental. I, I've I've found myself doing that mostly on Instagram. Like, I'll see a story from a friend or a colleague, and it's just like, why? why yeah. and i'm having to unfollow them because i'm just like i'm getting stressed looking at your posts like you are got it's very yeah. stressed i'm not talking about a colleague who's gone like like once i'm talking about people who are going like at least three or four times a week to yeah. to restaurants to bars and i'm just like i get it i do maybe you want to help the economy maybe uh you are taking as many precautions as possible maybe maybe for the love of pete you have been fortunate enough to not know anyone who's gotten ill or not know anyone tangentially who's gotten ill or lost someone to this, and you're just blissfully unaware of how serious it is. I, w- I wish I was that ignorant, but either way, just maybe stop doing it. Yeah, or, or maybe they're just not decent people. I've had to unfollow about 18 people from college on Facebook this week for the exact same reason, because there's so many of them peddling fucking conspiracy theories now. I'm like, why? Why? Why are you doing this? Well, I haven't seen anyone die. Fucking shot Good. the fuck Oh god, Good. I just oh, I despair, Matthew. I despair. That's why. Well, I- from one despair <laughs> to another. But what? No, I need escapism to make me feel better. What are you doing to me? Where are you taking well, me? Well, I've got bad news. I've got good news and I've got bad news. <laughs> good news is we're going to do some escapism via the medium of film. Yay! Bad news is that escapism is to 2012s. 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Do you want to know the the one thing I love about The Dark Knight Rises? Legitimately, I'll say it from What's the that? off. Uh, right here, so let me pull it up from my desk. Right here, I have uh, the uh, collector's edition Blu-ray set for The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I was bought this as a gift by my uh, my future then future in-laws. Um, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a little display piece with uh, the Blu-ray discs in the base, and here it is. So it's a it's a oh. like a stand with the title on it. It's the shattered back cowl, not based off the film, but based off the the teaser poster, the original teaser yeah. poster. Where it's in the foreground, Bane's walking away out of focus in the background of the poster, a poster which I've had framed on the wall just before release. I was like, oh, I can't wait for this. It's gonna be great. Um, you know, it's beautiful. It's, it's Christian Bell's uh, back cowl it's, in it's like nice. a in like a quarter scale, um, shattered parts. You go to the back, and there's the film in a discs, two Blu-ray discs in a little tray. It's really nice. They're not labeled, so you don't know which one's the film when you put it in. Turn to side B now, but like it's you know it's a really cool ornament, and I love this thing to bits. And it was a lovely gift, and I can't bear myself to part with it, despite the fact I care very little. <laughs> the film it contains i'll say this about the dark knight rises i don't hate it 
And I think I enjoyed my recent rewatch of it more than I expected to. Yeah. However, it's not good. No, <laughs> no, it is. It's not. It is not a good film. Um, um, it is and objectively, it is a very well-made film, but it's not a good film. Yeah, if you again, don't, objectively, if you don't lis- regard pacing, <laughs> listeners, if as, you're listening as an, to this, as an element of a well-made film, and you enjoy it, you enjoy it. That is awesome. We wish we felt the same way you did. Oh God, do I? But from an analytical standpoint, it's not a good film, <laughs> and we're going to talk about it's what. It's a very long two hours and 44 minutes. Yes. Oh, Jesus. A very long two hours and 44 minutes. I I, I think um, I have my issue with this that you have with Dark Knight. Like, I felt this one. I was like, Christ alive. It's not so much that I feel Dark Knight. It's just, that, <laughs> like, it, it drags. It just, when it gets towards the end, when it gets into the hardy stuff at the end, you're like, this is a little bit, like, this, this is a little bit rushed. It doesn't really have room to breathe. And it's just dragging out this movie a little bit longer. But it's not like, it doesn't, put me off the film i still think it's brilliant it's mm. brilliant it's a minor issue like whereas it's a minor pa- it's a minor pacing issue whereas that night rises is a major pacing issue from the off i took a couple phone calls during my rewatch and and would pause it and uh it's blu-ray so like when you pause a blu-ray for those who don't watch blu-ray or just watch on digital or whatnot like when you pause a blu-ray like the time code appears on the screen with a lot of them like a little kind yeah. of a strip with yeah, the time yeah. code well i've um, only got a digital copy so i was watching it on on youtube yeah through my google play library yeah and yeah it's it, but when you pause it and that timer comes up and you're like how long how long have i got left what the fuck i was just so uh so the basic plot sequel to the dark knight set eight years later uh bruce wayne uh, uh, Jim Gordon have lived with the lie of Harvey Dent's murdering of a load of corrupt criminals and police officers uh, on the the night that the Dark Knight story concluded on uh, to save his reputation and make it look like he was a good guy, a martyr basically. He was a good guy taken down uh, by horrible yeah. people uh, and Gotham should all live by his message. They even uh, brought about a, a, an act in court, the Harvey Dent Act, which got a bunch of criminals, like hundreds of of low-level and high-level uh, mob workers, enforcers, like and petty criminals, put into Blackgate prison. Yeah, there's a um, thousand people in Blackgate. They're saying like, and because of the Dent Act. Because the Dent Act, and Gordon, after eight years, is feeling the weight of the lie. He's like, no, like he nearly killed. Like he probably could live with it had Harvey tried not to kill his family that night. He's like, no, yeah. I need to say something, but he doesn't. But. Bruce is forced out of uh, his um, sort of self-imposed retirement from being the Batman uh, when uh, the League of Shadows re-emerges this time, uh, like a bunch of offshoot members of it, led by a mercenary called Bane, who trained with the League of Shadows and is planning a massive, massive uh, sort of uh, uh, entrapping of of Gotham. uh, for reasons as yet unknown, uh, that's your basic plot for The Dark Knight Rises. Mm. Uh, if you don't want spoilers for this movie, tough shit, they're coming. It, but honestly, yeah, well, I mean, we've already spoiled it for you in the emails. So. Yeah, if if you really don't want them, uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, see you soon. All our love. Goodbye. But bye. Uh, 
Here we Ooh, Oh, bee. Christ. Can we start at the top? I think that's a good place to start. And I mean pre-movie. Um, I I didn't watch it on my collector's set. I didn't I didn't watch it on my collector's set because that was bought for me as a present after the fact. I have it on Blu-ray um, with my, my other what's-its, my other uh, Nolan Batman films. And this is how amazing this movie believes it is, yeah? The Blu-ray cover has yeah. no plot summary, no pictures from the film, and the only non-spec or special feature bit of dialogue on the box is a pull quote from the Daily Express on the front that says, Unmissable. The, the Daily Express. Yeah. That's all that's on the yeah. cover. Like It's unmissable because it's so long. Even the cover is just trying to make you think it's the Dark Knight. Because it's just Batman in silhouette yeah. with an explosive like bat symbol behind him. Like that's the cover. No no broken mask in front with Bane walking away, which would be an interesting cover. You'd be like, what? But the title that's says good, he rises. That's a good image. Yeah. <laughs> the title says he rises. Why is the Dark Knight rises. Why is his no. mask broken on the floor? Oh yeah, this film really reinforcing the idea that the mask is made of graphite as well. Which I'd yeah. forgotten until the last one. It was like, oh yeah, it is, isn't it? Because when Bane bloody cracks it, it's just cracked. You're like, oh. No Keaton Cottage Cheese mask in this movie. No, sadly. Sadly. <laughs> Where's your eye makeup? Um, yeah, apparently they clothe Bruce and wash the eye makeup off of him but before he gets to the prison. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that. <laughs> they pull him out of his bat suit. So where does he get the other... I guess he's got more... He must have more than one bat suit. But anyway, that's, would, a minor, it, that's a minor quibble. It would have been more badass if in the final uh, act of this movie... The bat suit he's wearing when he rocks back up to Gotham is the begins one. Yeah. Because you'd go, oh shit, he's just literally grabbed the nearest one he can get hold of and like and then it makes it even more impressive that he defeats Bane the second time because it's like, oh, he's doing it in the less advanced, more cumbersome suit. And he's yeah. still managing because the rage is fueling him to win. Um I will say uh, that the actions, <laughs> like the one on one fights in this are better shot and edited than they are in right yeah. in Begins yeah. in Dark Knight, like the two Bane fights. They're still they're still ropey compared to other directors out there at the moment. But I know what you oh, mean. Yeah, you you yeah, can yeah. see them clear, and I think it's because, especially the one on the bridge and in the hideout, because they are the focus. Like there's yeah. no there's no train whizzing by them. There's no random intercuts of sonar vision. Like there's you know it, it, Nolan has less to cut to. And when he does yeah. cut to something, he cuts to what I think is the strongest link in this freaking film, which is reaction shots from Selena. On this rewatch, yeah, they're quite good. On this rewatch, the best performer in this movie is Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway is great in this. She's really good in it, and we ha- we have we have theories as to why we've touched on them before. She doesn't get a ton to do, but she is really good in she, this. They rely on her to be reactionary, which is a fault in a way because it's like, why would you cast her? Why would you put a fan favorite character, Catwoman, in this movie and make her mostly reactionary? Like, not really give her a drive or, or stuff beyond like maybe twenty minutes of screen time overall. But mm. that being said. Hathaway is so good at what she does. Oh yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. She sells she sells that scene. The 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 the, the Batman uh, broken scene because it cuts back to know, her think, so much and does, her reaction is work. pure horror. Because Bane's thugs aren't cheering it, him on or anything. They're all just watching stoically uh, yeah, as Batman gets his face. ass handed to him. Whereas Selina is also she's trying to retain her composure, but she looks 
terrified the longer the fight goes on. And it's all in her eyes. Like, she yeah. looks terrified. She's like, wait, fucking what? Like, she didn't want to bring Batman here, but she had no choice. She had to because of her connection to Bane and, like, helping them set up what they were doing and, and get cover, you know, get cover of night and all this in, in, into Gotham. Yeah. Um. So she's like, I, you know, I'm on Bane's side because I have to be. It's part of our deal. But she doesn't want Batman to die. And you can see it in her eyes. She's like, fuck. And it's just the best shot in this movie. And I text this to you, didn't know I was watching it. The best shot in this film is about five minutes in. And it's when we see Bruce again for the first time with his shit Robin Hood yeah. beard. And um, which I'll never get. I'll never understand. So he's, he's secluded for eight years and he's decided to cosplay Green Arrow. Fine. Sure. <laughs> uh, beard and everything. It's like, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, and she's, she's you know, we don't know it's Selena yet. She's just this slightly shy maid who's been told to bring the meal up to the, to the east wing. Just open, unlock the door, leave the tray, lock the door and away. Um, nothing else. It's like, all right, Alfred, okay. His reveal shot's really nice because you've not seen anyone other than Gordon that you know in that first no, no. couple minutes. And then suddenly, like, the, the wait staff are running around, like, trying to cater to this party. And then Alfred just comes in and basically is like, everyone shut the fuck up. Who's done this? <laughs> Less of that shit. You go over and you're like, oh shit, it's Alfred. It just sort of appears. And it, it, he's shot in a way that isn't, hello, old friend. He's shot in a way from their perspective of, oh fuck, it's the boss. Yeah, it's, it's incidental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's nice. But then she gets in there and she, you know, she has, he deduces very quickly that she's nicked his mother's pearls from the safe and she's got through all this thing. And she, she does a reverse, um, kind of like a reverse, uh, like a version of the Clark Kent into Superman shot. Yeah, which is another great like physical performance. Yeah, where where, yeah. where like you know he's gonna tell Lois like Chris Reeve is gonna tell Lois that he's Superman, and you just see him take the glasses off, and it's his entire posture and everything changes. And in a blink of an eye, you're like that's a different character. I believe that Hathaway does it here. She does it like in reverse. She goes from the thing he made in this one shot, just immediately slips into Selena. Her face is like for fuck's sake. She's like you got yeah. me. And it's like whoa. <clears throat> oh my god that is so good i hope this it, film doesn't she misuse does it you. a couple of times yeah um she does yeah. it again in the um in the diner when yeah when she calls the police on him and then she just suddenly goes from selena to screaming bystander yeah and then just drops it immediately when the the police are out of are out of view it's very she's very good at that in this there's a there's a, you know there's there's a one-liner that i don't cringe at in that scene and it's the whole like um, you should learn to count. Oh, I can count just fine. In fact, I'm counting down from ten right now. As the guy puts the gun to her head, it's like fuck. Can we just good old Burn Gorman? Can we just say Burn Gorman has He's great, cornered the market at playing slimy, creepy bastards to perfection. Yeah. He's so yeah, good at it. When he turns up in something, you're like, oh. We're all right. There's a few really good character actors in this who regularly get cast as baddies, but I noticed this is kind of like the first movie where that happens, weirdly. Like, Mendo. Ben Mendelsohn's in this. Yeah. I'd completely forgotten he's in this. But it's one, it's one of them. They'll, they'll have seen this, and they'll be like, oh, it's Christopher Nolan film. Christopher Nolan made this this character actor a bad guy. we got to put him as a bad guy in our things. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It's true. We gotta change um, things around, but he's 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 great in this. He's he's the perfect level of kind of like slime. He's sort of the he's the business version of Eric Roberts's um, yeah 
uh, mobster character from the second one. Like it, it, it's trying trying to take control of Wayne Enterprises, basically. Yeah, and 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 you know, just in yet another subplot that no one cares about. <laughs> yeah, because plus I think a lot of the stuff that happens with characters is that it's a means to an end. Um, yeah, everyone's a means to an end for a greater plot, and sometimes we see those plots tie up. Like, like with with to be fair with Daggett, like Bane essentially cuts off the loose end. But at this point, Bane's plan is so far along; it doesn't fucking matter if anyone catches out what's happened. Like, no one's gonna care that, yeah. like, oh, hang on, Daggett got you guys in here because it's like the next day Bane rocks up in a football stadium and it's like, what up, Gotham? <laughs> like, this now, is that what's is happening. a great sequence. That is pretty. That cool. is a great sequence. That is pretty cool. I also love um, the fact that, and I'd need to get it confirmed. I should probably look in the behind the scenes book, but like. The the big crater in the football field almost looks like a it's an imposed map painting. Because well Nolan be, yeah. tries to avoid all out CGI shots where he can. Yeah. Um. In this film, there's a way more than the previous two. Um, well, there's just some stuff in this that couldn't have been done practically. Or even just like it, it just, just the just the bat pod, like the bit where Selena like skids and realigns on the bat pod, and it's just like, well, that's a yeah. CGI shot. Like that is a full on CGI shot. Um. But it's because they really want to kind of one up the fact that in the last film you see it like go up the wall and then the base like turns and then it drops back into position, which is a practical shot in the last one, or at least looks like it. Whereas in this one, it's like, well, we want to see it do that in motion. Uh, uh, Transformers that shit. It's like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. I guess we're doing this. But the football stadium scene's great. It's let's 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 get to the let's get to the metal crab faced elephant in the room. Listen. Listen. I I like Tom Hardy as Bane, but, but he's in the wrong film. He's in the wrong bloody film. Sorry, that's the Harley Quinn version. Hello. Do you validate parking? <laughs> Christopher, no more Bane voice now. Use it sparingly. Okay. Well, I tell you, I... <laughs> One thing I noticed on this watch more than any, and I, I, I got to see, I got to see, uh, because of the scavenger hunt thing back in, uh, late twenty eleven, early twenty twelve. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got to see the preview event at the IMAX in Manchester, and they like took everything off you. They took your phone, they took your wallet, like they took everyone's yeah. stuff off them. They put it in these little safes. They gave you a card and all this that and the other, and it's like Jesus Christ. Um, which now I realise wasn't for the sake of like preventing piracy it was for them to suck their own dick and appear more important than they really are i think <laughs> do you know what i mean it's just like mm. but um yeah they uh because why would they need to take like your wallet and stuff because they were like well, we need to make sure you've got nothing on you like no recording equipment at all and it's like bullshit just get everyone to turn their phones off and then take the phone off them uh, and then return them just, afterwards I, but oh <laughs> uh, here's me with my credit card camera but that preview was at the jesus that preview was at the um imax in manchester and it was the opening sequence um with the plane which again is phenomenally shot like yeah and they released that on the dark knight blu-ray at least the one i've got yeah yeah by, by the um yeah the it's the yeah, which one have you got? Have you got the have you got the dual box set of Batman Begins in the Dark Knight? The the black sleeve. No, no, one? it's 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 a single release. It's double disc um, for uh, the Dark Knight. Um, was it? A, it must have been. Not a, it's must have been a repackage. Didn't come as a set. Must have been the repackage. Yeah, from the yeah other. I think it was a repackage. Okay, I was going to say like got the, they definitely didn't shoot that five years Knight. in advance. <laughs> like, oh my no. god! Um, no, but they got the Dark Knight Rises IMAX preview. Ah, on that. yeah. But I don't know if the version on that is the one with the original sound. Well, here's the thing. So I saw it, and Bane was... 
tough to understand. Yeah. And I always took it at the time as like, oh, it's just jarring because my ears aren't ready for this yet. Like, it, I was not prepared for this. It's just really sort of like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's odd, but to say the least. then I saw it five months later at the midnight release, but midnight coincided with America because spoilers, because Nolan. Uh, so it was like 5 a.m. in the Jeez. UK. 5 a.m. screening. Um, and I watched it. And I came out of it with like a free day until 2 p.m. So I was like, ah, I feel great. I'm going to go home, have a quick nap, have some lunch, and then go to work. This will be great. But um, <laughs> but I, I came out of it going like, yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. But I think it was more just the excitement of the event of, oh, my God, like it's the, 400 yeah, people have rocked up to the screen yeah. at balls o'clock in the morning to watch The Dark Knight Rises. This is quite cool. Sometimes you watch a movie and the experience itself leaves a nice glow on you. But then when you rewatch it, you're like, oh, oh, no. By that afternoon, I was thinking about it. And I was like, yeah. Um, that happened uh, to me with Days of Future Past. Yeah, yeah. Where I saw it and was like, oh, yeah, this is actually really good. And then uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, no, actually, it was pretty bad. <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. Jesus Christ, no. Um, um, and I think Dark Knight Rises really suffers from that. Um mm. Uh, it's it's a film that falls apart under any sort of examination, which oh, by that is odd. Yeah. By that afternoon, I was like, hang on. What the fuck? But the other thing I'd noticed on that initial screening was Bane sounded clearer. Well, they redubbed it. But they claim to not have done. They've repeatedly they claimed to not it. have done, which is, is so blatantly alike. Now, maybe they just mixed it differently. But yeah, actually, they might not have. It might be an exact words thing. They didn't re-record it. Mm. They just changed the process. Really fucked around it. with it. But it, it's yeah. never been more noticeable to me. I've watched this movie on home media maybe in the last eight years, maybe four times, including this week. Yeah. And I watched it this week here in the office. I had it on on my you know bank PC monitor with my newly installed. Uh, what the hell's the make? Majority tiny little soundbar. It's a really mm-hmm. nice quality soundbar. It's cheap and cheerful, but it does the job and it sounds really nice. Everything sounds great. The moment, like, you know, the moment we get to, perhaps he's wondering why you would shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane. Suddenly, this one soundbar that is not a surround sound system sounded like someone had fucking hacked into it and was broadcasting a completely separate signal. (laughs) This is the first time where I've listened to it and gone, that doesn't even sound like it's in the... It sounds like someone's gone, oh shit, we forgot to include Bane's dialogue into the mix. Drag and drop. It's so bizarre. It it doesn't sound diegetic. Yeah, and that would be fine if this weren't... At the, because this is absolutely the first of the three movies that is oh yeah no we're excuse me we are we are grim and gritty and realistic this is the first one that's like that's what we are like we said last and week yeah it's ba- also simultaneously the most outlandish and comic booky of the three yes because batman begins we said like isn't grim gritty realistic it's just back to basics it, it's like yeah. here's the core elements of batman we'll stick with that and we'll throw in a little bit of comic book fancy every now and again yeah some actors enjoying it more than others um dark knight is more right we want to make an action-packed crime thriller using the the toys that we set aside in the last film so it is a bit grittier yes 
but it's 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 not like grim dark and ultra serious it feels no. like, it feels like it it feels a bit pretentious because of like all all of alfred's truisms and everything like feel, and, and the fact that nearly every character is spouting a philosophy at least once in the movie like it feels a bit pretentious but it's not you know we are we're real and grim and gritty this one's yeah. like yeah no we are though we are like the we four, are. the four years since the dark knight had come out they've obviously absorbed the 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 buzzword review zeitgeist opinion of the previous two movies and decided this film is that it's definitely that like they believe their own uh externally worded hype and it it's it's palpable throughout this whole yeah. film this film feels like it's making a statement about society the closest film i can think of in recent memory that is it's- like we're saying something important with this Forgetting that ultimately you're a fucking movie. You can say important things. You can make people think and be introspective. But at the end of the day, you're a film about a billionaire who dresses up in a costume with bat ears and punches mm. like colourful costumed villains. Like the closest recent release I can think of is Joker. It's the same thing of like, we're doing something important. It's like it you is, have a man dressed as yeah. a clown. <laughs> like b- ballet dancing to himself in a subway bathroom. There are Stop. bits of Dark Knight Rises that are very much we live in a society. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Like it's super on the nose, but because it's like tonally all over the place, it doesn't really work. No. Because it's so tonally inconsistent, and it's very like this trilogy as a whole is difficult to revisit as it is in the times we live in now, because it is very. Uh, police apologist. Yeah, very pro th- this I, I tried to I tried to filter that out in my head a little and remind myself that this was 2012. Like it's it's it. The film has not taken upon itself to be responsible in this. But I think the but only also also between... part of that's the Michael Bay thing though. Like Michael Bay has the military so heavily in all of his shit because. He gets sponsorships. He gets to borrow their yeah, vehicles. He's very gung ho. He's, he's very, very gung ho. And it's very sort of like we need a tank. Okay, we're gonna get. We'll tell you what. We can give you fifteen tanks, but can you sort of like you know show the military as being enlistworthy? Not not only will I do that, I'll fill a fucking hour of this Transformers movie with basically military porn. Like, let's do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nolan, I think, is very much. Um, uh, is like that in the same bent in a way. So here he wants to make a story about fighting against corruption but he forgets and this is just within the narrative of the films he forgets that the previous two movies have been strongly setting up that this city is in every one of its veins flowing with corruption including because they had the dent act and all of them went to prison all the bad people went to prison and all of the good people are left which is what but i know you mean like like it would be less uncomfortable now if it had been more focused on like john blake someone who we are shown to be a good but decent person who wants to do the right thing and has joined the police because that's how he feels he can do it which is you know the reason why people should fucking join the police to do good in the world and protect people um like he if it was more about him raising and him and gordon raising an army to fight back against the oppressors of gothamites i think it would be less awkward unless like yeah. tone deaf but I, I i agree with you like it it's 
it it was probably tone deaf at the time. We just weren't as aware of how tone deaf. Yeah, that that's what I'm. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Earlier. It's like it's 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 not that things have changed in the real world. It's that our experiences and the things that we're aware of have changed. We've been made aware so of things so much like, more. You, you I'm, yeah, we're not saying not you good. can't make any movies about good cops or cops doing the right thing. You should absolutely do that. But yeah, you should, but this, you think, know. Yeah, you, mm. This trilogy as a whole, and to a greater extent, this one in particular, yeah. definitely draws a line where it's like, okay, police are all good people. Yeah. And criminals are all bad people. Mm. Like, the city really goes to shit after they release all the Blackgate prisoners. Yeah. And it's kind of implied that the Blackgate prisoners have just turned it into a, a playground of horrifying... Uh, violence and crime. Yeah. Like, I mean, all it takes, considering how long the fucking film is, it's not like they, they wouldn't be shy to put more in. All it would take would just be to see, like, one Blackgate prisoner going back to their family and hunkering yeah. down, just to kind of show that there's a bit but more it, to it than this. Like, the Blackgate prisoners aren't just a bunch of minions for hire. Like, some of them are but, people who did the wrong thing, like, yeah. for, the, for the right reasons, and pun- got punished for it. Like, don't be like, all of them are gonna fuck this shit up, and we need the good guy boys in blue to take them down. So, yeah, and I think all the films have sort of this pro- this problem where they don't humanise criminals, despite the fact that criminals are human. I'm not saying that people aren't bad. Like, hmm. I'm not saying that people can't be, like, sort of ir- 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 irre- irreversibly bad. Um, I think you just, oh, I think you just think, got reversed mid-word. Yeah, I did get reversed. I think I think life is a bit more complex than that. But mm. I I think that these movies really lack any sort of humanization for people who commit these crimes. Dark Knight did it better because the ferry scene. Yeah, the ferry scene does it better. Mm. Um, that that's that's the one time it really does it. But in all other aspects, it's like. But it also they try and do it with Joe Chill at the start of Batman Begins, but it's the same. And they do the same thing in The Dark Knight with the people on the ferry. But both of those instances... Mm. Well, the Joe Chill instance ends with him being killed. Yeah, getting assassinated because externally. that's how he's it. redeemed. Yeah, he's redeemed by dying. And the ferry scene ends with them being, quote-unquote, redeemed by the idea, that, by the resignation to the idea that they're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's there's still a, it, there's still it, an element of martyrdom sort of, here. Yeah, there's no there's no uh, redemption for these people, only death. Mm. Um because they did one thing wrong and now that and, and he, even Paul White dude even says it in the ferry scene in Dark Knight where he's like they made their choices. Yeah. They had their chance and it's like that's Jesus. not how Do you know, that's not how life works, man. Did you watch the Maggie Mae Fish Zack Snyder part 2 um thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that we're already dead. Yeah. You, you saying that to me just now has made me think, oh shit, Nolan operates on a similar philosophy. Yeah. Like, or at least he does in his Batman films. I think yeah, it's, it's, everyone has to die because in... that's the only choice, but sometimes it's one or the other person and that's it. And it's like, you have to die as a result of your or someone else's actions. These are the only stories I can tell. I am Christopher Nolan. Yeah. I am Zack Snyder. Yeah, because even this, like you said, uh, and like, like it was pointed out in the email, it hadn't even hit me. This ends with... Bruce Wayne, uh, Batman, doing the exact same narrative sacrifice as Harvey Dent in the sense that, like, they die and their death and the lie about their death is what inspires Gotham. Yeah. 
So if, only... if Bruce oh. if Bruce ever came back to Gotham, oh God, I've got to get the door one set. Oh, it's all right. I'll fill in with some naughty nipple sounds. Right, Matt's just gone to get a parcel. Uh, I'm not actually going to make sounds with my nipple, but what I am going to do is tell you all about an exclusive offer that's going on right now over on Big Damn OnlyFans. If you want to see Matt bathing in a bath full of noodles whilst playing Minecraft, um, using noodles, not even on a console, just like splaying out sets on his chest, then all you have to do is subscribe for the low, low price of $4.99. Oh, he's back. Hi. <laughs> right, apologies. Were you selling your brain pills again? <laughs> uh... Something like that, yeah. In a way. Um, I might leave that in. Uh, <laughs> I hope uh, he what does. But yeah, um, um, yeah, redemption and death are, this, uh, are the same thing in, in, in Nolan's eyes. and They're the default. I, th- I think, yeah, in like Batman making exactly the same sacrifice as Harvey Dent did and it being based on a lie and then ca- sort of canonizing him as a saint in the yeah. same way that they did with Harvey Dent like we've got they unveil that statue at the end Why? in like what looks like either the town hall or like the main police precinct I'm not sure which in the logic of the movies the that makes no sense it's he, really, yeah. he's a dude who showed up 8 years ago for just under a year Beat up yeah. some criminals, inspired a load of makeshift vigilantes who got themselves and other people killed, and then he yeah. and then he rocked up um, six months ago for a night and flew a big yeah. uh, flew a big air tank around the streets and, and allowed and, criminals to escape because the police were more interested in going after him than they were in going after the actual criminals. Yeah, why is he? Well, why is Batman put on criminals. people's put on a pedestal in this universe? Yeah, because everyone, like, uh, there's a thing, like, all the kids and the younger generation seem to love him and want him to return, but they have no sort of... Some of them weren't even alive when he was last around. Yeah, <laughs> and some of, but some of their belief is, like, why do they believe that he's not responsible for what people say he was? So there must be some people out there who believe that he wasn't responsible for the crimes that... But there's no suggestion that Harvey Dent was. Where's the statue if, of Harvey Dent? If, Where's the statue of Harvey? Yeah. Like, that makes more sense but, to me. Well, you have the big pictures, don't you? You have the big, like, oh, they have Harvey Dent Day. I believe in Harvey Dent. They have Harvey Dent Day. I want to tell you all the truth about Harvey Dent. <laughs> now, now's like, not that day. And no one at that speech goes, wait, God, what did you mean by that? That you want to tell the yeah. truth, but instead you'll say this. Like, you said that on mic in front of everyone. What do you mean by that, Gordon? Oldman, yeah. Oldman, bless him tries so hard also, with probably his most useless story arc and and uh, scene work in this. Like, he's trying so hard. Does he keep so his speech hard. with him all the time? Well, apparently, yes. Beca- yes, Bane, because Bane, Bane takes it off of, it. of him. So stu- And then holds on to it for a few months, like for a couple months. And then during the occupation of Gotham, lets out the Blackgate prison. Because this is, again, this is the one bit where Nolan fucks up with time in this. Not yeah. by choice this time. Like he, it just several times he forgets how chronology works within like yeah. progression of events. So the Blackgate uh, freeing up was that you then? That weird beep. Yeah, that was my tablet. Oh, I thought it was Bane uh, outside. No, it wasn't Bane. Matthew, I'm going for a Mister Whippy. Would you like a flick? Um, no. No, our Mr. Whippy showed up yesterday at quarter to nine at night. Too fucking late, mate. At this point, everyone's in their pants sat in front of a fan what? feeling horrible for themselves. Um, but anyway, so like 
Bane releases the Blackgate prisoners, it's implied a few weeks, if not a bit later, into the occupation of Gotham, because Gordon and Blake have managed to team up by this point and get like Gordon to Blake's apartment. Where's Gordon's family? Um, oh, they, they they say that his wife left him. She went to Cleveland with the kids. Right. Because he's such a workaholic. Oh, I hate that story trope. I hate that story trope so much. It's mostly inherited from 90s kids' films, where a, da- I mean, a dad feel, learns I've... through supernatural contrivance to spend more time with their kids, despite the fact that they already spend a lot of time with their kids. They just occasionally have to go to work. It's just yeah. like, what, like, Liar Liar, fucking Dr. Doolittle. Like, they're no, all the it, same it, bastard film. They already <laughs> spend a lot of time with their kids, but they just don't love them enough. The Santa Claus. So they, he spends a lot of time with his kid, and then do you know what he's doing the rest of the time? Working, so we can put food on the table yeah. for his fucking kid. Yeah. Oh, it's so stupid. No, but that's the thing. That's the thing with capitalism. You've got to work, but you can't work too much <laughs> because if you work too much, then you'll neglect your family, and if you neglect your family, then you won't raise good capitalist children. What's also interesting in a lot of these is the the wife in a lot of these movies as well is a stay at home mom. Which means yeah. that the uh, that the the husband in the movies is working obviously a really high salary job to be able to like yeah. do that and support that and give give their wife, you know the 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 freedom that they obviously are up for taking so that they can be full time mom and, and stay at home mom and everything. And it's like that's awesome, but then it's usually the wife who's like, "You've got to spend more time with your son." It's like, "Honey, I'm the only person working." Yeah, like, I'm the only person bringing it away. The fuck do you want me to do? Suddenly gain the ability to not be able to tell a lie and learn through su- supernatural contrivance <laughs> to spend more time with my damn wiener kid? I, I want you to work less and earn the same amount of money or more. Yes! So that's happened with Gordon. Like, they've nerfed Gordon's uh, family relationship. Again, his family being a massively important part of his motivations in this film. Like, if they'd made a point of, like, them leaving him, made him realise, like, no, I my life got shattered anyway. Like, no matter what, my life got torn apart. I doubled down because of what happened with Harvey, and it's driven me and my family apart. And I'm now at the point where I'm like, why am I holding on to this secret? I need to tell people it's eating me up inside. Like, holding on to the secret has done fuck all for me. It kept my family mm. safe, but now I've lost them again. Like, they could have made that a narrative thing. There's so many missed chances in this for character motivation um yeah but the, the film's already full of other stuff yeah oh crap well I, i'm gonna i'm gonna take a little peek at my notes some of these some of these are set toward the end but i just i think i just want to spew out random thoughts for this one because I, yeah. I oh good lord that's fair so toward the end the bomb the uh the big old the big uh, old bomb somebody settles up the bomb yeah, some days you, he should have said that. Fucking hell, he should have said that at some point. I would, some days I would you for, just can't get rid of a bomb. I would forgive this film everything. I'm not even joking. I would be that shallow. I would forgive this film everything if at some point Nolan or Bale had put in that last scene a moment where Christopher Nolan's Batman, played by Christian Bale, in his fucking body armor, with his growly voice. And his, and his, t- voice and his 15- that he does to him when he's speaking to himself, he still, that he still does, does. Oh, his delivery in that voice is awful. Every line he delivers yeah. in that voice is terrible, but we'll get into that. Like, in a way where it's like every line he delivers when he's not doing that voice, you're like, you are a fucking phenomenal actor. There's a reason why Hollywood keeps hiring you. You are brilliant at what yeah. you do. And then he does a line in that voice and you go, you're. 
you can't act when you're putting on this voice. Like, so that's what it feels like. What was that? What was that line read? Can why we get another you, one? Why are you speaking to yourself in the bat voice? Plus that. But yeah, oh. if they, if they, if Christian Bale or Chris Nolan had put in a moment during that last bit where Christian Bale's Batman quoted the 1966 Batman the movie scene where Adam West is running around with a giant cartoon bomb trying to lob it off of a pier to keep <laughs> everyone safe. With a big fuse. With a big old fuse and he can't quite find the right... There's always... There's, he's about to throw it in the water. There are ducks with ducklings going by. He goes, he goes to the other side and there's a romantic couple kissing in a boat and he can't throw it. There's like like a, a troop of nuns like getting his way while he's trying to run out of the way. And he just at one point takes a moment. If if you haven't seen this movie, listener, go watch it. It's fucking wonderful. Oh, it's so good. It is it's wonderful. So good. It's a comedy movie, and it is a perfect comedy movie, and it's great. A little over long. I'm gonna say it. It is a little over long. It could do with a 15 minute trim, but it is bloody brilliant. It involves the best, uh, best comedy shit deduction scene in all of cinema where Batman, Robin, Chief O'Hara and Commissioner Gordon work out the exact four villains involved in the crime based off of no evidence. It's <laughs> so good. Like, I mean, they literally figure out Catwoman's involved because they realise a letter from a word in the clue is the letter C. No, 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 it's not even that. They're talking about the C. C! The letter C! Catwoman! It's brilliant. But anyway... He says at one point, running around, it. trying to get rid of this giant cartoon bomb, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb, he says to himself. Now, if fucking Christian Bale's Batman had said that to himself at least once, I would completely shallowly forgive this movie every single one of its problems. If just before he's like, just before he decides he has to fly out with the bomb, he goes, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. I would have been like, I would have stood up in the cinema, taken my shirt off, applauded and, and bowed down to this film i would have tattooed it at oh, that moment on my chest on my pale fucking chest and i would what have been if? very happy i would have been happy and i would have declared it the best movie ever made and then i would have died because that's the only option in life um what about, and died a what martyr about if like towards the end you've had that scene where that he's like i've got to take the bomb away and gordon or someone's just like well you can't just get rid of a bomb <laughs> that, that I would have, I would have accepted that, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have forgiven no, it all of its ills. I would have what, just been like well, a little cheeky nod. <laughs> can I just get rid of a bomb? I was like, yes, I can. I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm bomb. Uh, I'm bomb disposal man. Uh, so that bomb <laughs> takes five minutes of the countdown. Now that this happens a lot, countdowns in films don't always operate in real time, especially if you cut in between things, because that's just how it is. It's the countdown is there to remind the viewer that there are stakes and there is a ticking clock involved. But sometimes you'll yeah. have a character having a conversation and it will only have gone down a certain amount or whatever. From Gordon getting in the truck to try and put the like the disruptor on it to disarm the frequency to give them more yeah. time. The countdown goes from eleven minutes when he first gets in that truck. Eleven minutes something. Yeah. And then we have the whole last part of the fight with Bane and uh, and the reveal of Talia and all this and la la and the knife is the slow knife, the knife that slips in between the bones and all this stuff. You have all that and her declaration of this, that and the other. And that's about three, four minutes of screen time. Mm -hmm. And then we cut back to Gordon and the bomb's gone down by about 40 seconds. It's at 10 minutes something. And I'm like, hmm. The only reason that bothers me is because not five minutes after that, the bat gets involved in the chase. Like when Batman gets away yeah. from it and he's in the vehicle and he's pursuing the vehicles. And at the start of that, we established the bomb is still at the 10-ish minute mark. And in this time, Catwoman's, like, Talia's gotten away. Catwoman's rocked upon the on the pod, shot Bane to death. 
which I, I don't know if I love or hate how unceremonious his, de- his death is. I, th- I think I love it, but it's all for a one-liner that's shit. But anyway, um, it's still at 10 minutes, so I'm like, you're really playing with thingy because during the scene with Talia, she like tries to do the detonation. It doesn't work because the frequency emitters like cut it off and she goes, no matter, you've only bought Gotham 11 more minutes, which means it, she knows there's like just under 11 minutes still to go on the bomb. So from that yeah. moment, there is 11 minutes to go. Clearly five or 10 minutes later, it's at the 10 minute mark when the bat joins the chase. That chase happens in real time from that moment on everything that's happening is happening in real time with the tumblers attacking the bat the bat and the bat firing at the tumblers and this and the other that's all happening in real time in one minute just one minute and change of real time action that bomb goes from 10 minutes something to five minutes something <laughs> it really pissed me off i was like Are you they missed something in the edit i mean it's a complex me. sequence to edit and but all you had to do was at the t- start of the timer for that chase cut to the timer and it's at like seven minutes now not another reaffirmation that it's been 10 minutes it's still at 10 minutes do you know what i mean yeah it's just like don't keep quitting back to the timer yeah just stop quitting back to the just, timer it's so bizarre like ticking clocks are there to make the viewer go oh shit oh shit they're running out of time but if you keep showing us well actually time paused there for a bit oh time paused again oh, oh now it's jumped you'd be like what yeah, if you if you don't remind people at the audience of that, they will forget. Yeah, and then if you give so, them numbers and, and you that can get away with fudging it, if you give them numbers that you, clash you with your previous ones, much. yeah, by yeah. cutting back, it just oh uh. yeah. Also, uh, especially in that last forty minutes, the aspect ratio switching is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it, sure. it's no longer oh we use the IMAX cameras to shoot the action scenes. It's oh we just used them when we could get them on set, I guess. Yeah, it's really it's really arbitrary what is and isn't in IMAX. In the Dark Knight, it's mostly it's really action strange. set pieces. Like it's it's significantly is in the the heist at the beginning. It's in the the apprehension of uh, uh, the sorry the, the the acquiring of of the kidnapping of Mister Lau yep. in Hong Kong. It's in the tunnel chase with with the the tumbler and the bat pod and the trucks and the bazookas. Yep. Um, and it's in, uh, sort of the, it's used not as much, but it's in the finale, like in the construction site and everything. Like it's used a lot during yeah. that sequence. Uh, and then occasionally it's used for like establishing shots of Gotham. Yeah. In this. Or whichever city is standing in for Gotham this week. Kids cheering at the school bus. That's not in IMAX, but Blake stood in front of the school bus a few feet looking at the city. That's in IMAX for some reason. Very weird. Wide shot of the bridge blowing up. That's not in IMAX, but the cops talking about blowing it up. That's in IMAX. I just, and sometimes in the same, in the same scene. So like the, the, the the setting. So like people looking at monitors are suddenly in IMAX, but then the the next cut is in the same, it's them in that monitor room from a different angle and they're not. It's really messy. What it's is really happening? messy and I don't understand it. It's oh, just just shoot the whole fucking thing in IMAX if you really must. Or or shoot your opening in IMAX and your ending in IMAX and don't do it throughout mm. the rest of the movie so it's a bookend at least. It kind of visually in your brain as a viewer. Like as 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 the fictional character Plinkett says, you may not have noticed it. But your brain did. Like there are things, visual language in film yep. that you don't pick up on as a viewer because they're not fo- they're not in focus. They're just there. And at least doing that, 
IMAX sequence at the beginning and IMAX sequence at the end would mentally feel like a bookend. Be like, oh, here's the start yeah. and here's the finish. Doing it so... I just... And it's made me want to... It's, it's made me want to... Because what films has he released since? Uh, 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 Inception was between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Inception Rises. Was in between. After this was Interstellar. Interstellar, yeah. I've not got that one. Then but, uh, Dunkirk. <clears throat> Dunkirk. So it's made me want to... And now Tenet. I've not seen Dunkirk yet, but it's made me want to rewatch, in particular, Inception and Dunkirk. Because I want to see, between the Dark Knight movies, what the, what the fuck he was doing in that one, whether or not the IMAX stuff is played with that freely. I don't remember it being. But I also but... want to see his most recent film prior to Tenet, Tenet, because I'm not going out in a fucking pandemic to watch your stupid movie. Um, like, I want to see if 1917... Uh, Dunkirk, sorry. See, all these World War One movies, Jesus. I want to see yeah. Dunkirk and and see if it cuts in between as frequently in that as well. Do you know what I mean? Because, like... Well, Dunkirk's weird because it's three timelines on three different scales that intercut. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a Nolan thing at all. <laughs> it's like one hour, one day, one week, and they all intercut. As if they're taking place at the same time. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. That was definitely va- so. that was a definite valid inclusion of the Bane voice. Um I only noticed on this watch two things. One, at no point do they ever explain Bane's visual aesthetic aside from the mask helps ease the pain. So then, that, but that's only dropped in so that Batman then, in their final fist fight, focuses on his mask. And just starts punching his head. I think that's enough, though. I think that's all you need. True, but it's also like, why? What? I mean, we... Is, is it only all we need because we tangentially know of ba- the Bane of old? So we kind of get the idea of like, oh, he's, yeah, no, he has a he usually has a thing rigged up to him in some way. In the comics, it's a steroid. In this, it's like, it's a pain relief. It's It's a... It's it's well, a, it's a drug to it's a drug to lower the nerve damage basically in his face apparently or his body. They explained that he was he was horribly injured and he is covered in scars. Mm. The prison doctor fucked it up when trying to put him back together. Quote yeah. Unquote. And uh, the mask is just keeps him moving. Yeah. But but it's also mm. an efficient thing to do because if it's aerosolized, you're constantly breathing it in. Mm. But if you don't want tubes going to other places because they're more vulnerable well that's on this watch and i'd never noticed it before the scar down his back yeah like the tubes are there they're just in his body i don't think they're tubes in the body i think they're just scars from when he was where he was injured there's like a weird kind of circular scar right beneath the mask and then it's this it's this like uh this 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 vertical scar that's like a little lumpy bumpy but it goes all the way down his back from his mask Mm. so it's like oh so he has a means of... Because he's not got any... There's nothing on the mask where he could insert something to inhale it. But there's nothing on it. And that's what I was kind of thinking when I realised... I when figured I, that was the little tube. that little, All yeah, the little tubes that are his, quote, sort of teeth. But when does he... Like, it, all it takes is one moment to see him resupplying. Like, just one little yeah. moment. Because when you first see him in the sewer and he's all topless and crouched down for reasons, I thought that'd be it. I looked really carefully at it. I was <sighs> like... Is there a pouch on him somewhere? Does he have some where the yeah. where the tube attaches to? Because he obviously, if he has this tube going down his back, it has to come out somewhere and be attached to something, um, like a sort of like a um, 
like a stoma. Do you know what I mean? Like people use a stoma yeah, bag. Yeah. Like you, you, essentially something is put in your body that you can then attach. Or like people, a lot of people with type one diabetes have like those those pads that you can click something onto or put your you know put put the stuff you need into it. Um, so like, where's that on Bane? And there's nothing. I'm like, just show us one mm. scene where he like pours some liquid or, or or grinds up something into into a pouch and then just seals it. And we're like, oh, that's what he's taking. Okay. But I also find it weird that Nolan's interpretation is, no, no, no. No, no, no. A steroid, that's... People won't believe that. Uh, now, uh, an anaesthetic, uh, an antibiotic, you know, like, we'll give him that. People will believe that. It's like, what? What makes Bane interesting is the fact that he's already capable as feck, but he's grown, he became so through the misuse of this drug and is now sort of dependent on it. Yeah. Like, that's what makes Bane interesting. He's a master. Ta- and I think as far as the characterization of Bane, like what he's about, how he can do things and everything, this is probably the best portrayal of him outside of the comics. Like it, it nails the master tactician. Yeah. Like that is who That's he what is. I mean about, he's I, eighteen I really steps like... ahead of everyone, including <clears throat> Batman, who's usually eighteen steps ahead of every. Like Bane's like, oh, like I'm twenty eight bastard steps ahead of you, motherfucker. Like that's what Bane is. Um, mm. But it, it just sort of is like, okay, but why get rid of the one thing that sort of then makes him stand out from any other um, well organized mercenary in television and film? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why do that? Like, I, I guess it's because they wanted to keep the Mucha Lucha mask, but they didn't want to give him a wrestler look. So they were like, well, we've got to give him a mask. Well, why what, what, Why is he wearing a mask? Uh, he needs it to breathe some in. Venom? Nah, just fucking pain relief. All right, cool. Let's do that. It's like, why? I just, I mean, it serves, I guess it serves the fake out of the child of Ra's al Ghul well. Because we get the idea yeah. that like, oh shit, That's Bane true. Bane's the Bane's the son of the demon. Like, oh shit, like they're they're bookending that movie. Okay, which is a neat way to do it, I suppose. If you want to compress a bunch of different concepts into an adaptation. And also, I realised in the flashbacks for this, um, obviously they 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 cut the young Talia's hair super short and and cast somebody who was sort of like you know, not not quite a teen yet, so it, it could be nondescript enough to kind yeah. to kind of. Yeah. Um, bamboozle you a bit into thinking it's a young boy and then it's like no actually you know, it's just a young girl um, but it made me realise when you finally started to see like the shots of young Talia I realised not only oh shit it's actress um, Joey King who's in a shitload of films and TV now is it it's Joey King which then made me go like holy shit young Joey King I believe that that's a young Marion Cotillard yeah she's the yeah, spit okay. of her that is nuts okay um uh but yeah i just i wish hardy hadn't done the voice i wish he'd picked a different See, voice just a different yeah, accent I, don't, I think he's doing it to I disarm don't mind you the voice i think it just is in the wrong film i think he's doing it to disarm the viewer <laughs> to make you go oh he sounds like a because because when you break down the accent you know you break it all down like you know it's, it, it sounds like this. you know the whole um the what's it uh uh, now is not the time for fear. That comes later. You remove the filter, and it's suddenly like that. Now is not the time for fear. That comes later. You remove a little bit of the. I'm putting a thing on in my voice, and it's you know. Now yeah. is not the time for fear. That comes later. 
So it, he's a very well-spoken, RP-accented uh, British voice. So essentially, he's like, hello, I am Brain, and I'm here to break the Batman. Good day to you. You know what I mean? Like, obviously not talking like that, but like, so it's an RP voice. It, it's a, like, I, you know, it, it's a, it's a, a, a lord, like, speaking to, to his people. Like, that's the kind of voice he's gone for. And it's like, okay. That raises even more fucking questions. Yeah. And I guess he's done it because he's he wanted you to be disarmed. Because you see this big brutish motherfucker in the trailers and stuff. And you expect him to be like, you know, I am, I am Bane. I like go for the original kind of like the Colombian or South American accent for Bane. Yeah. And instead you're hearing this, hello, like I am Bane. And you're like, oh shit. But his voice shouldn't be what disarms us, really. We shouldn't feel disarmed around Bane. We should feel fucking terrified around Bane. Like, if you're in a room with Bane, you shouldn't be like, the fuck is this guy's deal? You should be like, the fuck is this guy? Like, you should be scared of him, not going, eh, wait, what? <laughs> like, when he opens his mouth. It's it's odd. It's really odd. And, and had he just changed the accent, I think it would be less odd. I think it would feel a little more in this universe. Yeah, like, gone for the South American <clears throat> accent. Or... Even just his natural voice, like, is, is sort of like, because what, he's sort of got like a, he's sort of got like a, a very velvety cockney tone, hasn't he, does Hardy? Mm. It's like, even that, because then you're still feeding into an archetype of kind of the big brutish character. Yeah. But the, the, the thing that is, because that's the other thing, the thing that is offsetting you is the filter. Doing a silly voice under that is just an extra layer of, wait, what? What are you doing? And maybe that's why it feels like out of place in this film. Again, it's a really cool performance from him, I presume, because they clearly fucking dubbed all of his lines, despite what they say. Um, or like you say, maybe it's a different sound mix, but if that's the case, did they have a mic in the mask to capture, to, to grab his, his original uh, delivery yeah, on I, set? I think it was probably all dubbed. Must have been. Just for, just for cleanliness. Especially like, in the fight I, scene. Especially in the fight scene in the tunnels. <clears throat> Yeah. He just sounds like he's like having a bash at it in a sound booth. Like it doesn't sound like it belongs there. You know, oh the the the, the whole um you know uh uh what the fuck is the thing he says like thingy as we can do or whatever it is, like all that shit. Like that doesn't sound like it belongs Victory in that. Room. Has defeated you. Victory has defeated you. It's like what the fuck are you doing? Like you you've just yeah. been punching him. Like, why would you be like, hey, I'm having a good old time here? Like you just it's See, but I, I, that's what I mean. I, can't, I like that version of the character and I like mm. the disconnect of the voice and the appearance. It's just in the wrong film. Yeah. Because the, other, because the rest of the film is so tonally, supposedly tonally grounded. Yeah. It just, it, it doesn't quite work. This would fit, that, that version of Bane would fit into an MCU film with its yeah. sort of lighter tone, no problem. Mm. But because this is taking itself so painfully seriously it just doesn't work that version of bane would fit into a sequel to batman begins yeah it'd be like yeah i buy this sure but like a sequel to the dark knight that believes its own shit is just sort of it's odd it's yeah. so odd and yet hathaway kind of she's playing a comic book character yeah but definitely she, but she's not she's not um shying away from the fact you can be serious whilst doing that 
Well, I think, and, and the, also the, 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 it helps set. It set also really helps set up how scary and serious things are when this yeah. femme fatale cat burglar archetype suddenly sort of is in those moments where she's like, "No, you don't understand. Like, we need to get out." Of, like, suddenly the it, you realize that in universe, her like you know yeah. meow shit, even though she never says it really, which is a shame. But like, even in universe, her meow persona is a performance, and she's like. No, seriously, we need to get the fuck out of here. He will kill you. Do you know what I mean? It it, it benefits the film that way. Like, because suddenly you're like, oh, she's having a comic book movie. No, but seriously, these stakes are really high. I'm not putting up with this shit anymore. Get on your bike. Leave with me. Let's go to Europe. It's like, okay. Yeah. Um, She's brilliant. And we've talked about it before. The reason why, the reason why she's brilliant is because she was ahead of everyone else. Because even though everyone else, uh, you know, there's a lot of actors returning in this. Um, but there's a lot of brand new performers in this film, but she's ahead of everyone else with this characterization because she clearly is channeling the work she put in for the several months of pre-production for Spider-Man 4. Yeah. She was Felicia, was cast <laughs> yeah. as Felicia Hardy. They said that she was going to be playing a psychic to the Vulture and like there was the, the design name bandied around was Vultress and the whole idea was Hardy was going to be helping him with his burglaries, but... If you put Felicia Hardy in a movie and you've got a classic Spider-Man fan like Sam Raimi making it, she was inevitably going to go Black Cat at some point. Oh, yeah, totally. So she's obviously worked at that. That film gets shit-canned in sort of mid-2010 is when Sam Raimi's like, look, just do your reboot. I already know you're planning it under my nose. I'm off. Bye. And him and Tobey Maguire walk, walk from the project and it all wraps up and suddenly Malkovich and Hathaway have gaps in their schedule. Um you know that that was well i've just i've basically just like auditioned and got cast as and started pre-pro mm-hmm. costume fittings for the knockoff catwoman um do you want me for catwoman <laughs> it's like yeah. sure let's get you in all right um because the fun of that archetype is there in the first hour or so of this yeah. movie and also that the massive nod to returns whether they meant it or not the ballroom conversation yeah it's yeah. a huge nod to Batman Returns, except without except without Susie and the Banshees or um or the whole like, do do we have to fight now? Like moment of oh shit, <laughs> like what do we do? Well, I, Which is a great think, scene in Returns where they're just like um, do do we stop dancing and fight to the death? <laughs> like what happens it's, now? <laughs> it's it's yet another reason, as I've said many times, that Batman Returns is the best Batman film. Um, <laughs> Lego Batman. <laughs> Followed by Mask, I mean, followed well, by Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> a case could be made, um, but yeah, I, blank, I think, blank, I think blank, 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 blank. The... <laughs> I stop. I think it's a difference in the um, in the scale of the characters, though, as well. Like because a Catwoman is a relatively grounded, not necessarily powered character. Yeah, she's she's not. You can she, she? You can have fun with her and not be and, and not go full on comic book weird. Mm. But Bane is. Bane's fucking Bane. Yeah, he's comic book you know, weird. I mean, it, the weirdness of that character <laughs> kind of lends itself to uh, a less a, self-serious a film p- portrayal. Yeah. So it it's. Do you think that's what Venom he, is? Do you think that's why Hardy was really gunning for Venom because he was like, "Look, I wanted to let my freak flag fly with this, and that film really didn't let me. So can I do it in this one?" I think he. I think he's a. He's clearly an actor who just likes to fuck around. 
and get and get the props team to really quickly make a fake yeah. lobster so he can improvise a scene in a fucking lobster tank. I, I, I think Ugh. he's just an actor who likes to. F- <laughs> he does. He clearly does like to do serious stuff, but he also clearly just likes to fuck around and be silly. Yeah, and yeah. I think he he does a little bit of that in here, but he's reined in by Nolan. But I think if Nolan had let him go a little bit further with it and also pushed everyone else in that direction, I think the film would hold together a lot better. Yeah. I think he's still got serious structural and pacing issues. Like, all the stuff in the prison is fucking interminable. Mm. Oh, why does he have to fail the climb twice before getting it right? Why does does he fix his broken back with some rope therapy over six months and is now able to, like, fight and fly and and glide? It's mental. Like, just don't. Don't, I know you want to homage it. Don't break his back. Just wound no. him really badly. Like, do that moment, but you've established that his suit is fucking body armor. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, the reason Bane breaks Batman's back in the Nightfall arc is A, the big shock value of this big event. And, yeah. and B, because Bane's hopped up on fucking Venom. Like, as that fight starts, yep. he's like, I've worn you down and now I get the pleasure of killing you. And he cranks up the venom and he beats the shit out of Batman in his own home. Can we talk about the how the homages become a patchwork quilt in this one? We touched on it last week. The, yeah. the previous two stories use inspiration from the comics, but they kind of get they use them well because they get the thematics of the inspiration. So like yeah. year one is adapted very loosely in Batman Begins. Um mm-hmm. and it touches on uh some stuff from from long halloween haunted uh haunted night um not haunted night sorry what's the sequel to long halloween haunted nights in Uh, dark victory dark victory that's it it touches on stuff from that with in terms like the falcones and and those that that kind of angle like you know it's 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 in there and and long halloween is is not adapted but obviously an inspiration for harvey dent's turn in um in dark night and and also the idea of like this almost gauntlet of events that lead to certain things over the course of time and la 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 yeah this film this film doesn't use the thematics of the things it's touching on it's almost just going let's reference as many comics as we can so the comic fans go this is the best movie ever forgetting that the references aren't what make it good Easter egg references, sure. Easter egg references, great. They don't make the product good, but they're appreciated. Like, oh, that's cool. Someone pointed out this morning that in Spider-Verse during the bit where all the uh, on the train toward the end were all the different Vanessas and... and um, Oh, God, what's Fisk's son called? I can't remember. Oh, it'll hit me. But during the bit where they appear really briefly um, yeah. in, in the train, if you go frame by frame... Uh, in one reality Vanessa is there and their son is a young Matt Murdock yeah yeah and it's like what the fuck which of course Sony will deny because they don't own him but it's like it's the red hair the glasses you're like that is fucking brilliant doesn't make the film a, a good film the film's already a good film doesn't make the film a good film but it's just like a little rich textured thing that makes you go, oh, that's yeah. mm, that's tasty. And the first two Dark Knight movies do kind of do that. Like they touch on things and you go, oh, that's tasty. Yeah. Uh, but then when they adapt stuff, they adapt it. The spirit of it, the point of it, the themes of it. This one just kind of goes, eh? Eh? 
Yeah. Eh, hey, do you see that? It's like, oh, we blew up the bridges and, and blew up a bunch of street stuff. It's no man's land. It's no man's land. But no man's land happens because of Nightfall, kind of. Where Bane shows up, wears Batman down and breaks his back. Okay. But also Vengeance of Bane. But it's Bruce in that story instead of Bane. It's him in the prison. Uh, okay. But also uh, Son of the Demon. We're going to learn about like the, the history of the Al Ghuls. R- right? But not really. But also the cult. You remember the cult? Not many people, as you think, read the cult. Do you remember that bit where all the corpses are hanging from the bridge in the cult? That's from the cult. It's like, okay. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's... Do you remember the trial from Batman the Animated Series? Yeah. Well, not that, but Scarecrow's the judge. So it's kind of that. Right. <laughs> what? I do like the trial scenes with, like, the, the, the jumped up, like, revolutionary court. I think and... that's fun, but, like, why Crane? I'll tell you why, Crane. Because Nightfall. They want you to be like, all the villains are involved. Yeah. Well, Scarecrow's here. But that's it. Also, Christopher Nolan likes... Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy. Please, considering he's judge, jury, and executioner, all you needed, because he's got the only notification, the only visual signifier that it's Scarecrow, for anyone who just sort of doesn't quite realise that's the guy from the last two films, is that his suit jacket is frayed in a way that looks a little like straw on one sleeve. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't they put a noose around his neck? The Scarecrow mask has a noose around it. Um, and he's judge, jury, and executioner. Put the noose around his neck. Like, he's wearing it like a tie. Oh. Like, there you go. Just, Scarecrow. Just have him wearing the mask and a gown and a, wi- just and a have the, wig. Just have the fucking mask on the on the, the podium. Yeah. Just have it there. And maybe that's what, Why maybe not? that's his, the, the muffle for his gavel. He's just smacking the mask. Or he, mm. or he lays the gavel on the mask when he's not holding it. Like, you know, just something. It's almost like they're too scared to do it. And it's like, if you're going to reference Nightfall, either adapt it beyond just the premise of Bane breaks Batman's back. Yeah. Or don't. Just fucking don't do it. Now, they have said, they've never gone into full detail, Ledger was in a draft of this script. The Joker was never going to be the main villain, but the Joker was going to appear in the third film. Which makes me think they were always going to do Bane. And they were always going to do a version of Nightfall. I mean, which, the whole which, League of Shadows stuff does bring it full circle with Begins. Yeah, so. but it would make more... Which was good, because then this one could have been, oh, it's a mashup of the previous two. Like, we're, re- we're referencing both the previous two movies to make a conclusion. And and that makes sense, because you could have had, you know, like... You could have done Nightfall to a point where it's like, oh, something's going on since... All- Blackgate, the Black- Blackgate breakout would have happened pre-Batman's back being broken. So it would have yeah. been like, something goes on with Scarecrow and he has to deal with that. Summit goes on with Joker, and he has to deal with that. And then Bane happens, and it's like okay, yeah. and you know, and you can you can imagine like Scarecrow's just going along with it because he's like, oh, I'm out of prison, fucking great, here we go. Like Joker would have gone along with it because he's like, I, this is hilarious. Like, look at how you're reacting. This is great. Of course, I'm going to get involved in this shit. This is fantastic. Yeah. And then you yeah. could, and then you could have had a for those who didn't like the tactician Joker of Dark Knight. Then there's your there's your Joker is just fuck it. This is hilarious. Like yeah. you know, you could have had that. Um, uh, you know, so so I, I get it. But obviously we didn't have Ledger. There is the novelization of the Dark Knight Rises because they still do those folks. Uh, the novelize it unless you're the Rise of Skywalker, oh, yeah. in which case they postpone it and then cancel it. Um, 
because it probably contained Ooh. plot elements from the earlier draft of the script, which people had learned about and preferred. Um, uh, in the the novelization of The Dark Knight Rises, it is mentioned that the, I don't think they call him outright by name, but there is a patient in Arkham because Arkham is also um, broke. Uh, people are broken Loosed. out of Arkham at the same yeah. time as Blackgate. There is a patient who's been left in there because even the other criminals didn't want to let him out. And he watches the events unfurl on his monitor and smiles to himself. So they're kind of like going, Joker's still in Gotham. He's in Arkham yeah. and he's just fine to sit back and watch. And it's like, okay, sure. I believe I'm that. I'm enjoying this. Because obviously the Dark Knight ends with like, you and I are destined to do this forever. And he's locked up somewhere. And it's like, yeah, but for eight years, you're telling me in eight years, the Joker's not got out and tried to coax Batman out of... His, yeah. his imposed retirement um if you want to see a universe where that does happen and uh, uh you've got a few hours go check out the, the joker blogs on um youtube because there's it's start what started is just a one-off eight minute fan film like oh, this would be kind of fun let's see what happens the first time he sat down and interviewed after the events of the dark knight uh, and he's refused to talk to anybody until they give him some makeup so he puts the makeup on sits down and actually takes an interview turns into a series which is it's pretty fucking great. Like all things considered, yeah. As, it's as not fan projects go. It's, it's definitely on the higher. It's end. not fan wank. It's how can we tell a story with this? Let's see what happens. And they, they, the first part of it all takes place like in the months just after the Dark Knight. Minor spoiler alert: Batman does appear in the end of it. Um, after the Joker's got out and done this, basically very small, quiet serial killer with a hostage event on one night. Um. Mm. Series two takes place a couple of years later. Um, and you find out in that that, yeah, no, Batman has still been operating super on the QT. Like, yeah. no public sightings. Doesn't even look like Batman in series two. Like, it's the balaclava and stuff. So it's like he's out there doing shit still. I prefer that version of what happens after the Dark Knight to the Bruce Wayne we meet in this. Can we yeah. talk about the worst fucking aspect of this movie in terms of its wider story? Bruce Wayne yeah. loses his parents at a young age. Yep. It leads to 15 years of... No, it leads to like nearly 10 years of stewing resentment and hatred and bile building up to the day where he nearly kills his parents' murderer in court in front of everyone. Yeah. And he doesn't. And he realizes he could do more, and maybe it's me projecting on him. And I think it, I think it is just us projecting on him the Batman we know of the comics. But like he decides yeah. that he wants to save the day and stop that tragedy ever happening to other people. Whereas in the film, it's more no, I want to give criminals what for. The we talked about the fucking horrible morality of Batman Begins last week. But then he goes away for another fifteen years to the point where even his closest like family member seven his, years seven is it seven. Ah, I thought yeah. it was like 15. Never mind. Because uh, so, on the plane, Alfred's like, you've been gone for seven years. You bastard. But like, so so, so seven years, even his closest family member doesn't know he's, he's still alive and out there in the world. Like, he has no idea. His closest childhood friend doesn't know that he's still alive and out there in the world. Everyone presumes him dead, but he buggers off and does this. All because of everything that's happened in his life up to that point. He goes away and yeah. becomes a trained weapon. He then operates as Batman based on the timeline of Begins in the Dark Knight for about a year. And then... He disappears. And this film kind of implies that since that night, he's not been seen. Yeah. Meaning he's not been seen. He's reclused himself. Wayne Manor has finally been rebuilt in that time. 
and th- there's some really nice location shot usage in this. These rooms look new. They're in the old yeah. style, but they look new. And it's like, that is very well done. Like the old style bookcases, but they're all painted like a modern kind of white, light gray aesthetic. And it's like, yeah. well done. That's some sort of applause to the set design team on this film. The sets always look fantastic. But um, it implies that he's been there for ages. He hasn't even uncovered half the furniture in his half of the bleeding house. Alfred has obviously got bored of the house being unoccupied between like galas and fundraisers and events and stuff that he has like sheeted nearly everything in the manor that isn't in regular use. Alfred probably yeah. doesn't even live in Wayne Manor. He probably lives in a fucking house on the driveway at this point. He's like, shod you. Yeah. I'm going down to my bloody house. Um, so you've got that aspect of it. Bruce Wayne is retired. And the reason he's done it in this film, he makes it clear it's not because of Harvey. It's not because he's in hiding. It's because he failed Rachel and he's mourning the life they should have had. Of course, not knowing that Rachel was going to go on with Harvey and like Bruce needed to move the fuck on. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. His parents die as a child, which leads him to a 30 plus crusade, 30 plus year crusade to becoming a living weapon to fight the injustices of the world. But his best friend dies and not because he's, she's his best friend but because he wanted to get romantically involved with her, even though that wasn't what she wanted, mm-hmm. dies. He becomes a mopey teenager doing bedroom archery for eight years. I do not buy he's, that for a single fucking second. It's He's super self-centered, and which arguably Batman is anyway. Yeah, but not but like, just, I'm going to mope for eight years, like self-centered. He'd still get shit done. There is yeah. still the mission. And it's just like, really? This is where you are. And now Bane wants to make his point. And Talia, of course, because she turns out to be the real mastermind, the daughter of Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. Like, now she wants to make her play? For all yeah. she knows, it's just, Bruce is dead. For all she knows. It's just like, it's not interesting at all. It's just not interesting. Just, and what is what is Talia's plan? Like, we want to fulfill my dad's work, which was destroy Gotham on the world stage Gotham. by having it tear itself apart to show how corrupt and horrible it is because he wants to get rid of all the corrupt cities in the world. What you're doing is having a very visible terrorist threat take Gotham hostage and then eventually just blow it up. Why why not just blow Gotham up the moment you've got your bomb into it? You've had the bomb because they were for the whole like eight month period of League of Shadows. It's just so but they're not because they're working for the League of Shadows. They're working for Talia Al Ghul. Well, I think the implication is that there is no League of Shadows after Ra's al Ghul dies. So if, if there's no League of Shadows, why are they filling out the League of Shadows mission? Why are they devoted, why are they... They devoted to them if they were all cast out for being, like, wrong? They're, because... Bruce was too much for the League of Shadows in the opposite way. Like, he wasn't, like, reveling in the murder and everything. He, he was, like, mm. he, was, he was too pure for their mission statement. So, like, yeah. if anything, Bane's got more in common with Bruce than he does with Talia. Like, what's happening? I just she. I'll tell you Tally why is the it villain. all happens the way it does. Tally is Chris. the villain because they think it's clever that they're tying it back to begins, and also, oh, surprise ending. That's why she's the villain. Yeah. Like, and and Marion Cotillard as, as Miranda Tate is great. She's a pointless character, but she's doing yeah. great with the material she's given. And then when she gets to play Talia, she has more fun. You can see it. She's having more fun. Yeah. 
but that it's ultimately kind of pointless. Like Talia dies thinking she's won. The whole thing is kind of pointless. Um, and I'll tell you why things happen the way they do. And no villain gets their comeuppance. Because that's what it says in the script, Chris. That's why it happens the way it does. This is the first one that David S. Goya did not do any writing on. Out of the three. Now, we have we are not defenders of Goya at all. Guy's a prick. No, no, I've... I've mm. But he's co-written some good scripts. Yeah, co-written yeah. being the operative word. And without him, it's obvious what the Nolans brought to Begins and, and Dark Knight, which is the atruisms, the philosophy yeah. spouting, and the idea of interconnectivity within the narrative of the, the trilogy they've structure. built. Structure. Structure is what they brought to it. Rigid well, structure. Yeah, well, structure, narrative... Uh, uh sorry plot structure yes narrative structure no yeah that's what i mean yeah. it's, it's the mechanics of the plot but not the they needed someone who's the who writes the fucking scripts to go right let me now yeah. frame it into a cohesive film instead of a two and a half hour um huh huh fest which is what it kind of well, is they, they need they needed someone who writes dialogue that sounds like people who talk yeah sound um who let's we've we've ragged on it what do we like i like hathaway a lot i like a lot of performances i like i think i like harry's performance even though it's in the wrong movie i like hathaway's performance i think the heels are are impractical as fuck and they only exist because they wanted that one kind of thing about um uh you know is it hard do those make it hard to walk i don't know you tell me like i think that's the only reason they're there beyond a oh that'd be kind of hot like i think that's the only reason they're there um but, yeah. but I do like her costume. I like the fact that the cat is is sort of a result of the goggles. Yeah. I think that's like... That's it's cute. Nice. Like, I, I, it's nice and subtle. I would buy that in a movie where she's openly calling herself Catwoman. I would still buy them using that design. I'm like, sure. Yeah. Like, fair enough. Um, I like Morgan Freeman. Lucius isn't used a lot in this, but when he is, he's... But he's always got a twinkle. He's always got a twinkle. Um, he's got that Morgan Freeman twinkle. I like Marion Cotillard... I just don't care for either of the characters she plays. Um, yeah. uh, There's a lot of great actors underserved by the script in this. Bale, even. Like, even Bale's yeah. kind of underserved, really, because he's just sort of... Stuff, Michael Caine? Stuff happens to Batman. Yeah. But the best the best, the best, best delivery in it is, is the most underserved actor. Yeah, it's Kane. He's great in this, and he's not in like, it lo- he just, much. He, he pops up at the start to be disapproving, then he pops up at the end to cry. Yeah. And that's kind of the it. The scene where he basically breaks up with Bruce is great. It's just a shame that it doesn't actually influence Bruce. But mm. Alfred's like, I have to go for you to understand how wrong what you're doing is. I've got to fuck off, and hopefully you'll be like, I've pushed away my only friend. Like, to realise what you've done wrong. But he doesn't realise what he's done wrong. He learns his nope. lesson way too late. And then he leads Alfred to believe he died. It's like, fuck you, Bruce. Um, there's a point on that that I'll get to. Uh, but I want, there's one character we've barely talked about, which is uh, uh, Blake, uh, played by uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I like this character. I like the character. Like we said earlier, it's better to show that, oh, no, no, like, the cops aren't, 
altogether like a pure force of good but you can show that certain individuals are in that force because they want to save and protect people like and he's a great avatar for that he's absolutely like a cop born of the world gordon has been trying to create and it's like cool so he's he's a he shows that gordon's systematic change can work blake is a perfect example like like what gordon did what dent apparently did and what batman did um when blake was younger has inspired him to go like i want to i want to protect people i want to be in the police and look after people yeah and 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 the fact that he goes against superiors like when the when the cia get involved and stuff like um sorry the 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 fbi isn't it's the bureau they call them they refer to them as briefly like when they remember when they get involved the fact that blake is even kind of like no shut up here's what we know is it doesn't come across as him being a petulant like shitty little officer it comes across as him going no what you're doing is going to get more people killed fucking listen like because everything he's doing he's doing because he knows it will save lives like genuinely save lives so he's like he's like the only non uh he's he's the only non-morally ambiguous character in the trilogy outside of maybe alfred i guess yeah probably like he's you know he's he is a good person he does not want people to die he accidentally murders two people two criminals in a in a tussle and is horrified by it and again it's all down to good joseph gordon levitt's face they don't even really let him talk about it it's just you see it and you go he's like what the fuck have i done like and he realizes that like it's sort of emblematic of the world we've been plunged into is leading to like this could have been avoided yeah like oh my god like i need to be better and he he, after that he starts arguing with authority if he thinks authority's in the wrong and it's you know he's good he's great and and i just wish i just fucking wish they'd been brave enough considering he is basically a pseudo robin like he's the closest this trilogy's getting to batman well, sidekick you get that really you get that really fucking i wish they'd been brave enough to just cringy moment at least at the just end. call him tim drake his yeah. name's john blake just call him tim drake and then to audiences who don't know that character he's exactly as he was in the film he's a random cop who believes in batman worked out batman's identity on his own off his own back Although out of nowhere, yeah, I mean, I, like purely on intuition, yeah. But I mean, it pays off because he could have showed up to that house, yeah. said that to Bruce Wayne, and then Bruce Wayne be like, "I have no fucking clue what you're talking about," and he'd be like, "Yeah, it's just a hunch, Mister Wayne. Thank you for your time." But like, you know, like that's what Tim Drake did. That's how Tim Drake became Robin because he figured out Batman and Nightwing's yeah. identities as a kid. So you yeah. know, just call him Tim Drake, and then those who know Tim Drake go, "All right, okay." Instead of that moment i've written a paragraph about that moment in my notes oh god i'll read it quickly but please do as it happened these were my thoughts we need to wrap this up soonish the robin moment is completely fucking stupid for those who don't know what we're talking talking about at the end uh he's getting his license for whatever blah 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 it's revealed towards the end of the film that his middle name's robin his real name his first name's robin his real name's robin yeah yeah because it's like uh oh you should use your you should use your real name she hands the car back, and clearly an ADR goes, Robin. It's like, fuck you, Nolan. Yeah. Fuck you. Because you've you no Robin good. should be in the Batman story. Robin is a great element of Batman. Like yeah. it, it 
he can't belong in a realistic gritty universe really which is why at this point because they've really believed their own realistic gritty hype he's not in it but then to go huh it's like no just call him tim drake and then we go oh cool so this is this version's this universe's version of robin yeah he's a police officer sure okay but the Robin moment is completely fucking stupid in so many ways. It breaks the film to grab geek kudos in the closing moments, so it disrupts the flow of that wrap-up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a real geek kudos would have been having a Robin in the film to begin with. It's one of the several off-camera ADR lines in that closing montage that suggests Nolan was keeping spoilers under wraps. There's several bits where people mention people by name in that closing montage off camera in ADR. Mm. So they've shot it and gone, right, okay, we're gonna we need to say this, we say this, great. And then a few months later they're like, can we just get a couple versions of this word? A couple versions of this line, a couple versions of this word, and then they've spliced it in. Which is a technique used in a lot of big franchise films to avoid spoilers. Um because they don't want they don't want actors the priest. Yeah, they don't want actors to go like, uh, oh I shot a scene where I talked to Robin like a year before the film comes out. So it, it never comes up with the priest who presumably raised him. Yeah. As part of the orphanage. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. Oh, just... So, uh, so it's, but it's not a spoiler for anything other than an, an Easter egg nod to Blake's role in the story. So it's not even important enough to really warrant a spoiler-free ADR session months later. Um, yeah. It could be a payoff to, the, to a running bit in the film that his real name was something he shed when he left childcare or what have you. Like he just thought yeah. he wanted to change. He wanted to take his identity. Like he did. Like his parents, who he never met, named him. Named him, and he never thought that was fair because they didn't even stick around. So he chose well, a new I mean. name. That would it would have been perfect if something like that, like an offhand line about him changing his name, had come up with the priest who runs the orphanage. Yeah, exactly. Like but, you know, like you even changed your name. Like and he's like, I just, I didn't. You know, my parents who didn't give a shit about me called me summer. They don't deserve to give me a name. Like I pick my own name. And someone's just like, your original, uh, your real name's quite. You know, your real name's nice. You don't meet, or should say it's like, you don't meet many people called Robin. And then it's more of a like, oh, sweet. His name's quite a, a bit, you know, unique and a bit ador- a bit adorable, a yeah. bit dorky. And also serves as a, oh, Robin, nice. Like, and there you go. Like, make it a payoff to something. But it just, as I say here, it just happens. It just happens. It's weird. It'd be like if, it'd be like if Avengers was the first appearance of Captain America. And um, during like this, this the fight in New York, uh, like a, a kid throws some a Chitaurian distracts it, and Captain America bashes the alien away. And then he turns around and he says, "Thanks, kid. What's your name?" And the kid goes, "Bucky Barnes." And he's just like, <laughs> "Do you know what I mean?" It'd just be like, "The fuck? Why did that happen?" It'd just be so. Yeah. Ugh. Um. It's 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 odd. I I like the implication that you know Batman is something more. Batman's a symbol is actually paid off in this when Bruce presumably yes. dies. He leaves the breadcrumb trail for Blake to discover the Batcave. I would have liked to the see... most minimalistic Batcave we've ever had in anything ever. Yeah, a couple of computer banks li- and a and a, br- and, a and a bridge. Everything's in the floor. I'd have liked to see a version of Batman that is a legacy character. Yeah. Like I'd like. To, I wouldn't mind seeing a Batman on film that is not Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Why not? I mean, fuck it. Just they have the chance to do that now. They could do Terry McGinnis. They could do Terry McGinnis. Do it in the D- not gone, do it in the DCEU. 
Like, Affleck don't want to carry on. Great, pay him a certain amount to rock up for one more film to hand on the mantle to Terry McGuinness. And then... Marvel are ahead of the game here. They're already doing it. We're getting legacy yeah. characters in the films. People who are taking up the mantle after the characters have retired or stepped down. Like, even in the Disney we're, Plus we're, shows, we're getting it with Hawkeye. Clint Barton's yeah. about to hand over to Kate Bishop in the, in the Disney Plus shows. Like, you know, Captain America's now Sam, Sam Wilson. Like, it's... Marvel got there first, motherfuckers. The idea of legacy heroes on film. Just, but, you know, Nolan touches on it here. I like the fact that they're like, Batman's more than a sim. And before he leaves, he obviously fixes up the bat signal. Bat uh, signal. So Gordon gets the roof and he's like, the fuck? What? Like, that's kind of cool. The autopilot sequence. Oh, Jesus. He fixed the autopilot. Yeah, someone patched it up six months ago. Bruce Wayne... Which means that Bruce makes the illusion to the autopilot not working in the third act just to set up to everyone that he's going just to go missing. Yeah. So where the fuck is he then? In that shot where he apparently managed to get out of the cockpit. Where is he? Who knows? Who knows? It would imply that he's somewhere else. Like he he's somehow in that like minute between like Bruce Wayne as he flies off. In that minute that he disappeared out of the bat yeah. and got in a fucking remote control cockpit somewhere. Like it just, or just turned the autopilot on and ejected. But, oh, but, but again, I watched that shot. Like I just for this, I went through that no shot. F- there is no yeah. Cloverfield moment of something in the back of shot dropping. And even if no. there was that blast radius at the end is huge. It is it huge. huge. It mushroom clouds the coast. He'd be dead. He would be dead. It's. It's. And there are some people who like, oh, well, he is dead. Because that bit at the end with Alfred is just a. It's just a. a Him wish it, seeing what he wants to see. No. Like, there's no indicate. That's not the kind of movie this is. He repairs the bat symbol. He leaves breadcrumbs for for Blake. Um, Yeah. He obviously, ahead of it, redoes his will so that the house becomes a child care home. But also, which is nice. also the structure, which is great, and it's Bruce Wayne would absolutely do that. Uh, and yeah, the yeah. structures behind need to be left alone, like that's that's to be done with. Like Alfred Pennyworth is in charge of if anything ever happens to that, which means, of course, it, John Blake can operate from there without ever getting found or caught, which is like great idea. Yeah. Um, Fox presumably will be notified that there's someone else now operating the Batman thing who might occasionally work with him. Or maybe he's got it so that Fox has no idea, so that like the, the culpability's gone, like Fox can't be roped into anything if it all goes to shit. Yeah. And Alfred has presumably either retired to Europe or just decided to go on holiday to France to that favourite spot to clear his head. Because Well he takes he says he takes that holiday every year. Yeah. Like he did when Bruce was missing, so I assume he picked that tradition up again. Now, my last note is we should never have cut to Bruce in that cafe. No. I think the only reason they do it is because they want to show you that he's with Selena. That's the only reason. Yeah. Because, and he, which is, again, the shot's very well done. Hathaway's like looking at someone off in the corner and she's completely out of focus, but it's clearly her. So it's like, oh, yeah. he found someone. The two of them are kindred spirits. They've fucked off into Europe, both presumed dead, and they're going to live their life. Fuck, fuck um, Selena's mate played by uh, Juno Temple. Fuck her. Like she doesn't yeah. she doesn't get to find out what happened to her mate. Um Yeah. Uh you know, it just 
if you wanted to show Hathaway, it's simple. You show you show it from Bruce's not POV shot, but from his point of view, looking at Alfred, and you just see just see a drink just raise up slightly in shot, and then you watch from that POV Alfred get up and leave, and you close the film. Do you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. we're just saying to the audience, he's alive, he's out there. Don't you worry. And they're not even gonna they're not even gonna talk like he said. Not even gonna talk. Just like Alfred's thing. Just. I knew you were okay and you were happy. And that's enough. It's like, there you go. But I'll be honest, after what he put him through, Alfred should have just run over and be like, the bloody fuck were you doing? I thought you bloody yeah. died. You little fuck. I would bitch slap you. You're not too old to put across my knee. You break this poor motherfucker's heart. Just, just, yeah. just pick him up and break him on his knee. <laughs> like, I will raise you up like... and I will break you, Master Wayne. Um, just... Oh. Yeah, it's rough, man. I uh, just uh, don't. You shouldn't have shown Bruce. We as no. an audience are intelligent enough to go. Oh. Well, no, we're not though. I mean, we, me and you are. <laughs> A lot of the audience, not so much, as it turns out. Um, <laughs> uh, also, Ben getting shot with a gun as his ending is, like I said, both very anticlimactic, but also weirdly hilarious by accident. Well, I think it's especially telling especially because he was about to shotgun blast Batman in the face, in the mouth. Yeah, Jesus. I think that's why it's. <laughs> I think that's why it's it works because as soon as he picks up a gun to take on Batman with, yeah. he then gets as soon as he as soon as he sort of breaks his rule, then Batman's rule is broken with his stuff. So uh, thematically, I guess it kind of works. Yeah, but, better but, than most but of the it, other thematic things in this film, anyway. But it's all in service of a shit one liner where Salim is basically like. Your whole no guns thing? I'm not sure I agree. It's like, okay. Should we go save the city or are we going to do some one-liners? Hathaway sells it, though. Whilst Batman is choked by a, a rope? Is he? There's this whole thing where they like put this rope around his Who neck to hold him still. But he's got a knife in his fucking ribs. Like He's not moving. He's not going anywhere. Well, he does a lot of things. With na- also, he kind of forgets about that knife in the rib after that scene. I know. Oh, God. Ah! But, if you want better versions of all the scenes from this movie, ladies and gentlemen, just go look up the Badman compilation on College Humor, oh, starring no. Pete Holmes. They've, no. They do... They, this is the one film where they do direct scenes from it. Like, all their stuff was just sort of Nolan-inspired apart from a scarecrow scene, which is based on the bit in Batman Begins in the apartment before he lights him up. Um, and then they're, they're like, where are the other drugs going? They do that scene. But for Dark Knight Rises, there's like four scenes where they just do a version of a scene from the film and they are, they are fucking wonderful. They're just so bad. Like, on purpose, obviously. It's like, this is what happens if Batman's a fucking moron. But they're just, they're, oh, the Talia scene in particular is really good. Like the reveal scene with the knife. And then watch the outtakes. And then thank me, because you watch those instead of revisiting The Dark Knight Rises. But hey, some people like it. Yeah. Who are we to judge? Have we been too harsh? Uh, do you agree with some of our points? Do you think we're insane? Yeah. Uh, we are. Please let us know. Because no... no BigDamnContact at gmail.com. No opinion is wrong. So, you know, let's hear some different ones. What did you guys think of The Dark Knight yeah. Rises? Um, Tell us. You can also tweet us. Tell tweet us. Tweet us with at BigDamnCast. Uh, yes. Matt does things with his thumbs, dorty things, on uh, twitch.tv slash stream um, with uh, Adventures in Backlogging Fridays and for a little bit, I believe at least, Minecraft Mondays. 
Uh, I, I don't think that's going to be every week. Sporadic. That's just going to be once in a while. Sporadic yeah. Minecraft Mondays. Um, we might do it monthly. It'll be it'll be Horizon again probably this coming Monday. But you can find out what streams are going to be happening if you support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bigdamncast. And for as little as $1, join the Discord server, motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> and then that way we can interact and talk bullshit and talk shop and reveal what games are coming up. Also, we can reveal what themed episodes we do going forward because, hey... We ain't going anywhere for a while. No, as it turns out. <laughs> um, so, until next week, they expect at least one of us in the wreckage, brother. We started the fire. And the fire rises. <laughs> Makes no sense. It makes no fucking oh, sense. Okay. But hey, the little finger got killed in a plane. Fuck! <laughs> cut that entire scene, you know. <laughs> cut it! <laughs>